0: Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash
1: What's up, Gypsy gang? We're back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. Pretty stoked to bring you this one. Uh, just because he died last year. And then he's back. The great man, Regan Duffy. Um, I guess it's uh, easy to, uh, I don't know, poke fun at that these days. But uh, that's because he's pretty much on the mend um, and going to make a full recovery and return to racing, which is just insane to think. Uh, A few months ago, if you don't know, um, yeah, Regan had a really gnarly accident while racing the state titles in Bunbury um and for a, a while there uh pretty much just anyone that knew Regan was um yeah pretty stressed out we didn't know if he was going to make it i guess uh people like the doctors and stuff didn't know either um and yeah it was i guess worst case scenario for a dirt bike racer um but in a true testament of the kind of strength uh, and strength of character that Regan has um he's already back on his bike he's already ripping and he's iron a return to racing so feel uh extremely blessed to be able to do this podcast uh Regan is just one of the coolest dudes in australian motocross if you ask me the guy is a freak on a dirt bike if you haven't had a chance to watch him race in person pretty special to be uh his age and doing what he's doing so won't talk too much longer for this intro we'll get into the ads um but yeah this this is a gangster episode We are brought to you today by the Legends at MX Store. You can head to mxstore.com.au. I'm going to be hitting it pretty hard. We're doing some bike build stuff again. uh, Getting ready for Manji. Getting ready for Fink. It just doesn't really get any easier uh, than MX Store. You know what's crazy too is I actually bent my gear lever on my 350 at Manji last year, and I still don't have one. So while I'm thinking about it, I'm going to go to MX Store right now. I'm going to do the click and collect because they're just around the corner from the studio. Um, So you can do that. Or if you order before 2 p.m., if you don't live in Burley or the surrounding area, uh, you get same-day shipping. So it's pretty much like living in Burley. Again, mxstore.com.au. We're also brought to you by the guys at Anti-Gravity Batteries. We're going to have a bunch of cool stuff coming up. Um, with these guys, I'm running one of their batteries in my 350. uh, And I'll also be running one of their batteries in our Fink bikes. Um, We're going to be doing some bike build stuff with Casey Stoner. He got his 450. We're going to be flat tracking that thing. Um, and also, uh, got a new car on the way. So I'm going to run a dual battery from anti-gravity. These guys literally do everything when it comes to batteries. They're the leaders, um, of lithium technology. Uh, you can find them in the pro circuit cowies, uh, Jason Anderson's factory cowie, Eli Tomax, star racing, Yamaha. The guys absolutely kill it. And massive fan of their battery packs as well. Um, anti-gravity batteries.com. See what I'm talking about. Check them out. Uh, these guys absolutely kill it. Uh, a crew that absolutely kill it as well are the guys at Crush Oz. You can head to crushoz.com. Uh, look, motocross—it's a dirty sport. You heard Anton was say it, um, but not for the reasons he was talking about. It's just literally dirty. Um, if you want to make cleaning your bike way less of a punish, just go to crushoz.com. Uh, they do the complete bike care bucket. That's pretty much what I use. It's just like top to bottom, you just use all the all the products. You use the bike wash, you use their degreaser, you use the aftercare spray. It's got the, uh, the scrubbing brush in there as well. So that's pretty much just being the program for me. I actually think we should probably give a couple of those away too. I'm going to talk to them about that. Uh, once again, crushoz.com. We're also brought to you by Team, the lovely team, I can't say guys anymore, um, because there's a crew of lovely guys and gals at Fist Handwear that uh, keep all of our hands sticky on the bars and relatively blister-free. I said it in the last ad read, but I actually wore a pair of other brand name gloves uh, and got the gnarliest blisters I've ever got in my entire life. I think I hadn't really thought about it before because I just have been wearing fists for 11 years now. Um, but other glove companies, they don't just specialize in gloves. They make gear and all sorts of other shit. Fists just make gloves and socks. Um, but you know, you can't really fuck up socks, I guess, but gloves you can definitely fuck up. I found, um, and fists don't fuck up their gloves. Uh, so you can head to fisthandwear.com you can use the code GYPSY GANG. That's going to get you 20% off. Um, they're the best in the game, hands down. The best in the game as well when it comes to graphics are the guys at Rival Ink Design Co. Uh, you can head to rivalinkdesignco.com. Uh, you can check them out. They do jersey prints as well. Um, if it comes to things that stick, the guys at Rival do it better than anybody else. So, once again, rivalinkdesignco.com. That's it for me for this episode. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. Our team has been working super hard here uh, behind the scenes. Shout out to Alex and Griff. Uh, yeah, so we're going to just do our best to keep bringing you these. Pretty flat out between now and Manji, actually. Um, We've got a Europe trip that we're doing for the Stark, Vogue, uh, and then off to race Manji and then Fink. So pretty pretty busy, but we're going to do our best to keep bringing you guys a couple podcasts a week. All right, that's it for the ads. Thank you all for watching. We'll bring you Regan Duffy. Top ten would be nice.
0: Yeah,
1: oh fuck, you're easy. Top ten. Right, like what? This will be two hundred nine. Mm. Podcast chapter two hundred nine. That is heaps. Two hundred nine times three it's crazy yeah it's crazy too when like i was looking through the um through like the guest list mm. and i'm like man i've done fuck all when you actually kind of go really? back through i'm like that feels like it was just yesterday that feels like it was yesterday and yeah right yeah it's, and then you think like man i haven't really done much mm. it's a fucking weird feeling but then yeah like you you sort of do put it in perspective it's like we're at 21 million views on youtube fuck that is mean too. and then 10 million on audio it's ridiculous.
0: I just wanted to look at this. I searched up an email and it had... I was just not double-checking. It oh. was my discharge summary of uh, like what oh. I did, so I sort of knew what
1: Yeah, I, fuck, keep... Pull it up. Actually, what I'll do, I might get the... Um, I wanna get the laptop. <coughs> and has COVID. Oh, Sammy's got COVID. Probably gave it the same, actually. Did you? I reckon you probably did, eh? Hey? I reckon it was... I reckon Ronan gave sam covered when we were in there shooting that thing the other day no ronan's had fucking covered that many times it's out of control no just once i don't know i reckon <laughs> you've had it more than that did you get tested when we went to wa yeah did you and you didn't have it
0: well
1: did we get tested i, don't, I didn't oh no i didn't you definitely gave us all covered that trip we, we left see. from Manji. i woke up on the day after mangie sick as fuck like no. all of us he was crook from the jump and we all <laughs> drove back from perth just completely cooked out. Oh, I can't. That's <sighs> good anyway regan duffy's in the studio everybody live in the flesh alive and in the flesh which is really really good to see um so yeah glad you made it back from the dead to come do this podcast with us mate thanks man it was a bit of a mission but we're here. <laughs> <laughs> so should we should we just fully just start from the crash like should we just get all that out of the way first and then like go on from there yeah we can just dive straight into that if you like i reckon because uh yeah so when was it that was october 17 october i remember getting uh a call from sam saying that you'd had a big one and it wasn't good and uh then yeah the next couple weeks everyone was pretty uh yeah pretty pretty gnarly deal so Mm. yeah what what went down tell the people what went
0: down well firstly i have to say uh a lot of it has sort of been getting relayed back to me because i don't remember anything from the day Mm. sort of only remember the day before a little bit um and then pretty much from when i woke up and onwards till now but uh from the day Seemed to have started like any other normal day i thought um in the lead up before it i think we need to go back a little bit further if we can yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so the nationals got cancelled after i think it was four rounds yeah and that was pretty disappointing i didn't really have a chance to try a fight back against luke for the title or whatever so that got handed over in that sense but then i come home to perth and i was just doing my thing a little bit and then uh we decided that i was gonna race the final state round there in perth and i really wanted to show everyone the work i'd been putting in over each. so i trained even harder again and yeah i'd never been so fit in my life coming back to that race um felt really good on the bike and everything like that sick so, track yeah i thought it was gonna be an unreal day but that wasn't the case but yeah so then we went down there it was a normal weekend as you would and just cruise down the day before and camp the night um yeah i just remember like eating spaghetti and stuff with my girl and my dad the night before um then yeah then i woke up and nurse told me oh you you just died like this was two weeks ago i was like fuck really so you were uh, in a coma for that long i was in a coma for eight days and then uh intensive care for uh, like two weeks so Yeah, once I woke up from the coma, I was pretty rattled. I was on every sort of drug and machine you could possibly be put on. Um, From what Dad said, I was on like seven different machines all plugged into me, making my body even work. So that was pretty gnarly. Um, But yeah, as for the crash, it was... It was just a first turn deal, right? Second. Second turn. Yeah, yeah. So, so you go left over that tabletop over the table, and then right. Right, yeah. So uh, as per usual, I didn't get a great start. and <laughs> not that flash at it, but I think... So I have seen one video. It was a sort of blurry video of it, and that's the only reason I sort of know what happened. So I come out the second turn and someone's on the outside of me and I come down the inside of them and then they chop straight across the front of my front wheel. And then that took the front wheel out from underneath me and I fell onto my left side, but then onto my stomach. Yeah. And I was sort of laying across the track. And from there, another rider come out of the turn and hit some whoops, because uh, it obviously it's a rough sand track, Bunbury. And they sort of just preloaded and jumped and pretty much frame cased the side of my ribs. Oh. So, yeah, from there, that's where all the drama started and you know it's no fault of anyone's it's just a racing incident and I got really unfortunate in that aspect but uh yeah I ended up I was sort of just bleeding out on the track and no one really knew what the go was from what I've been told um they were treating me for punctured lungs is what they thought it may be yeah right so I was sort of coughing up blood on the track and everything and were you conscious like you didn't get knocked no no like you did get knocked out well i don't know like i said to you i don't remember any of it i don't know it's uh i think i was like sort of half awake but it was
1: with an injury that bad though your body was probably just like kind of shutting down it was
0: it was shutting down so apparently i was coughing up blood and stuff like that and um, the ambos i believe they had me on my back and then dad ran in and said get him on his side because i was choking on my blood yeah so then they rolled me over and apparently i just like spewed up a heap of blood or whatever that is spew, yeah. spewed spit up a heap of blood and then yeah the helicopter was trying to land uh, and they were gonna try land on the start straight yeah but there was people everywhere like apparently everyone rushed the track really and yeah so they couldn't land the helicopter because there's just people everywhere so As much as people were concerned and trying to help, it sort of fucked fucked it up a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, but in saying that, it it helped in the end because I then got rushed to Bunbury Hospital and they uh, sort of figured out it wasn't just lungs there. There was a bit more going on. So then um, they had to do some emergency stuff there and unfortunately I don't really know all too much about it um but that sort of kept me going a little bit as much as they were losing me it it helped me in touch and then the helicopter come there yeah right to Bunbury hospital so then from there is when I got transferred down to the city so they told my dad and my girlfriend that I was going to Royal Perth which is one of the big hospitals in Perth so dad drives all the way there and he gets there... And, oh, and they're, the, they're going to yeah, take somewhere else. Yeah, and he gets to the front door, and he's like, say my name whatever. And like, mm, no, nah, he's not here. Fuck. And then, um, so he didn't have his phone on him at this time also, or it was on silent or something. So luckily that he didn't, because he was getting calls that they'd lost me on the helicopter.
1: Mm-hmm. so And who was saying that? like
0: The doctor on board, the oh. helicopter, had his number, because before I got put into the helicopter, they obviously transferred details and stuff because it was going to be a touch and go flight they thought yeah so they would keep him updated and they were trying to call him throughout that flight saying that they would lost me a couple times um so on the helicopter so what was
1: it? do you know what like the injury was on that helicopter that was like essentially made you die yeah so it
0: i tore the aorta off my heart so like the main artery or valve to your heart the big one on top just pretty much tore that off yeah so i was just bleeding out inside and then uh had some broken ribs and collapsed lung but then with the uh like the artery and stuff getting messed up the aorta that's led to me having like a traumatic cardiac arrest yeah and then from that had a traumatic stroke from the lack of oxygen yeah to my brain and stuff like that. You know, it's it's hard for me as I don't know all the medical yeah, terms. Yeah. And, no, that's all good. But uh yeah, so they I read in the report just before we spoke, they performed C P R twice on me, gave me two of the the shocks like, yeah to bring you back to life. defibrillators Yeah, and um a few shots of adrenaline and stuff to keep me going. So it was pretty gnarly. But fortunately I didn't actually have to go through it in a sense because yeah. I don't remember it which yeah. I'm pretty grateful for because yeah if I remembered all of that stuff I think it would have been pretty gnarly yeah but not to say that it isn't but It'd it had a whole yeah, different layer to the it the whole mindset thing might be a bit different at the moment compared to you know right now I'm I'm sweet I'm still love motocross and still want to do it so yeah but anyway back to the hospital side of things so then dad went to the other hospital called fiona stanley and he got there and it was obviously like my family and friends were already there um and then i landed and i went straight into icu to emergency surgery and they put a stent and some artificial bits into my heart to try keep me going and luckily enough they were successful with it and yeah they were able to stabilize me to a point that i was going to survive but yeah like i said i was then in the coma for eight days after that and then icu for another couple weeks but dude that was a heavy deal in the icu when i woke up just the sound Mm. like it's just like scarred in my brain just you know there's people dying down the hall from you there's really yeah and there's just the beeping the constant beeping like you cannot get any rest in there and especially at that point like that's the point that you want to be resting yeah sweet i've survived now i'm just maybe have a snooze that's not gonna happen there's no chance and uh yeah there was some just some terrible nights in there just the pain and everything because they had to open up my whole sternum Mm. so they broke my whole sternum open um because my heart and stuff yeah that's be like full open heart eh? yeah yeah so but they had to break the sternum and stuff open because it was all so swollen mm. um so they went in from the side like you do normally so one of the scars i've got they told me this is where we first opened you up mm. and then there was like oh shit. this is bad and then the scar continues along another three or four inches where they've opened me up even further and just yeah gone nuts to get in there because yeah i shouldn't
1: have survived mm. that's like, so crazy dude yeah. eh? uh, the um the sound like so when you wake up um you pretty much like can't move tubes and shit everywhere so mm-hmm. you couldn't really talk so what was i guess like that feeling like and how aware were you when you were when you first woke up like what was that whole kind of process like mmm I felt like a zombie, honestly. I was in my,
0: my brain, so not even my eyes, just in my brain. I knew what was going on around me and I would want to reply to people, but I just could not control any of my body. I could really? Barely move my eyes.
1: Um, and so could you, like, I guess make an effort to in a way but it was like a crazy effort like just to move your eyes sort of thing or yeah oh like think about the most strenuous thing you
0: can possibly do in your life like try to pick up 200 kilos or something if you're not a bodybuilder yeah that was like trying to move my eyes wow and it's just so slow and just painful just everything hurt everything and it hurt mentally as much as it did physically because i'm like i just I want to tell these people I love them. Like, yeah. I want to tell them thank you and everything. But I just couldn't. I just had no power to do that. And it fucking sucked. But I just had to hang tight for a little bit and keep it going. But that's okay. Um, yeah, it's everything about it was just something I'd obviously never experienced before. Mm. So it was so new to me. And it was just, yeah, winging it the whole way, you know, where I was weighing up do i try move do i just chill out I just
1: didn't know what to do yeah. how um how like clear were you mentally was it a case of being sort of or like did you feel like yourself in a way that you were just sort of trapped in your body um or was it like mentally you're foggy and like not really clear what was going on or was it very like obvious like oh this is my situation this is I've had this crash like did you almost feel like yourself in a sense um for the first probably
0: four days after I woke up I was pretty foggy like lots of weird hallucinations and stuff like that really yeah I had Dustin Martin the Richmond footy player in my room (laughs) random I don't even really follow footy yeah so he was in there he was just hanging out and I remember I asked him for a photo and a signature Really? and he blew me off <laughs> and, and dad came in and I said, I fucking hate Dustin Martin. Like fuck that guy. But uh, yeah, then I had magpies flying around my room and stuff. Uh, 110s riding down the hallway. I thought it was so real. Really? Yeah. I, I walked down. This is hallucination. I walked down to a service station, like a gas station and I walk in there to like buy an ice cream or something and one of my friends in there and his mum nearly ran me over on a moped like it was the weirdest (laughs) thing ever yeah and I tell these people this stuff now and they're like what the fuck Uh, I don't know that's just what happened so yeah there was some real weird shit going on so I can't even remember
1: all of it so imagine yeah it'd be pretty loose but so the so the first four days was pretty like foggy and kind of weird did you have like breathing tubes and stuff in or
0: yeah yeah i did so when the first i'm pretty sure once i woke up the first day or two they took that out but i was really struggling with that like i was choking on it and stuff Mm. um but they got that out but yeah when i woke up i still had all my drains and everything like big sort of half inch tubes all around me had four or five of those like four down the front a few side um so that was pretty daunting a little bit to look down and Mm. sort of see that um just poking into your stomach i guess and chest yeah so that was a little bit scary but yeah probably after the fourth day i started to get a little bit more clearer and could sort of look around at people and slowly talk and stuff like that but yeah like i say it was just a slow process of it coming back yeah you know for the average person the doctors are saying like this is incredible i'm like this is shit yeah i I do not want to be
1: here i just want to go home yeah but yeah what was the i guess like your mentality when you were kind of in there like really in the thick of it like were you mentally in a good place do you reckon or was it like pretty bad mentally for you because i mean you've come out of it so good now and it's like Mm. to get to the point where you're at now you've you've had to fight like fuck to get here essentially but it's like did that start straight away like you were just on that program like fuck this i'm gonna make it i'm gonna you know be back riding again i'm gonna race again or was it was there a period where it was just like super fucking dark, just, just trying to get through it? Oh, it had its days. Mm. Yeah. And
0: I, I didn't really let anyone know, but, um, the first day that I was sort of a bit more clear minded, my dad asked me, you know, just sort of jokingly, like, so you going to race anymore? <laughs> and I was like, fuck that. Not <laughs> a chance. Like, I'm yeah. a, no way. I hate motorbikes. Next day he asked me the same question. I was like, yep. Yeah. yeah we're going racing for sure. So that was a pretty quick turnaround with the motorbike side of things. But um, as for the mindset, I'm normally pretty good at having a positive mindset and I was good for the most part, but there was definitely days, uh, the hardest days were when everyone had to go. Mm. You know, like I was sort of all good when everyone was in the room, family, girlfriend, um, mates, stuff like that when they were in the room it was all good but when they left and i was just on my own it was really tough to stay positive yeah so yeah there was definitely some dark days in there where i was like this is bad why am i here what i do to deserve this all those sort of thoughts run through your head but you know by the next day i'd be like it is what it is um i've just got to push through it and it'll it'll be good it'll be sweet so i'll just tried to keep that mindset as much as i could but yeah for your question there was definitely
1: some dark days there yeah because man like when you're in that situation there's and being in so much pain Mm. and then a lot of uncertainty and then i'm sure there's so much doubt um and then so you had a stroke right on the flight in there Mm. and then so that left your left side like you pretty much couldn't couldn't use it like when did you start when did you start figuring out the things that were wrong with your body. Because the first part of a big injury like that, you almost don't even know what's wrong, right? No, no, you don't. Mm -hmm.
0: So I knew the arm straight away. So I said to you earlier from the shoulder down, nothing. I could just nudge it. Fortunately, my leg was fine. So I thought that was the only problem. And I was sort of just going along sweet and they were telling me it'll hopefully come back in time they were saying things like uh if you get no improvements in six months don't be upset you know some people it takes years yeah right i'm like 80 percent now and it hasn't even been six months yeah but um anyway the night we realized something else was different i was eating my dinner and i was finished and i said to dad um, i'm done now Can you take this plate and he was like what do you mean and i said what and he grabbed my plate and just spun it around and I'd ate perfectly down the middle of the plate my left eye was fully blind wow yeah so I had no idea I just woke up and it was like that from when I woke up so I thought it was all sweet yeah so like a straight line down the middle like peas and shit straight line fuck that's (laughs) hectic yeah so what'd you think when he did that i was just a little bit shocked i didn't really know what to think of it and was like wow well, fuck is that gonna come back yeah dude and that was the thing it was scary um because we hadn't even spoke about it to them they hadn't mm. really they hadn't really got to that point yet of yeah testing all my different things like they were just focused on my vitals like is his heart good is his lung good is his brain good sort of thing like they weren't they weren't focused on my limbs on you know my eyes you can live without an eye you can live, yeah. you can live fully blind so they weren't too too stressed at that point but uh yeah we told them and they were like oh that's no good um <laughs> Not but they, yeah they told us just don't stress about it like it should hopefully come back and lucky enough it just got better and better how
1: uh, did it start coming back like was it in, um, in bits
0: yeah it was it was like pretty blurry um. Obviously, there was nothing at the start, but they would get me to wear like an eye patch over, mm. over my good eye. Oh, so it like yeah. forced the... Forced it to come back. So the good eye was just black. Doctors <laughs> are like, gnarly, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just an answer for everything. It's just the, uh. the human body's gnarly. Like, How can you even come back from that? You shouldn't be able to. But yeah, so they started with stuff like that. And then um, it slowly started coming back, slowly started getting better, which was sick you know but it was tough that was one of the hardest bits was the eye Mm. because yeah i had no idea at the start and then i would just yeah i wouldn't even see someone to the left of me no peripheral vision like nothing but it's all sweet now which is good
1: yeah because that's one of the things when you have these like massive injuries like unfortunately i've known a few people that have had these horrific injuries from Mm. racing and yeah it's like at the start it's just all about let's just get this dude alive yeah. and stable and then you find out oh the acl's gone the you know there's mm. a crack in the, the femur and then like yeah your eye's not working and then yeah. this doesn't work and that doesn't work and it's all stuff that just doesn't even get a chance to get looked at for sometimes like weeks after an injury yeah exactly and my eye was two
0: two three weeks something like that so maybe, maybe two weeks but yeah like you say they, they focus on the main stuff and then then they
1: focus on anything else that may be wrong with you yeah dude you're right about the whole icu place just being so scary mm. like i mean hospitals are kind of gnarly actually i feel like the emergency and the icu are just mm. the two places that you don't want to be yeah. like i when i broke my hip i had to go to gimpy hospital and this kid come in on like she broke her arm like riding a dirt bike at a farm or something yeah and just like screaming like yeah. horrifically like and then you're in so much pain and then you're just trying to like get through it mm. and then you've got this kid that's screaming horrifically then you've got some junkie that's come in that's just trying to like fucking commit oh. suicide and you're just <laughs> yeah. like what is going on yeah. in this joint and then oh, ICU, you, you've just got people that are like literally on death's doorstep yeah yeah it's so hard to block that stuff out because like Mm. you say
0: you're trying to focus on yourself and then you can't really just turn your ears off (laughs) you're just you're hearing everything and for i'm a very attentive person as well so every little thing i was hearing but yeah it was pretty gnarly but for me i don't know if i'd ever spent more than a night in hospital that's crazy so injury free for a motocross rider yeah like what have I done? I've fractured a wrist, broke a thumb, um, hyperextended one elbow, and then did some <laughs> ligaments in an ankle. This is like when I'm 13. That's nothing, eh? No, nah, because thanks to my dad, a lot of it. And then in the later years, my coach Ross Beaton, they've really made me a clean rider. And mm. with idols, like guys I've told you earlier, Stephen Evans so precise and such a good technique i've always been a really safe rider as much as i've gone fast i've been in control Mm. the whole time whereas there's other riders that they can go as fast but they're completely out of control and Mm. they're the guys that hurt themselves lots so i have been really lucky up to this point but it's caught up with me yeah you just you just
1: picked it you're like oh well when i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it right 10 more years that's all i want 10 more years oh man yeah it was uh yeah it was it was hectic and i really it from i guess our point of view of like people that really care about you mm. it was so gnarly to see i mean we're only just with you at manji and you first year in 450 class and just mm. killing it and yeah coming off everything that you kind of come off and it's a it's such a reality check for everyone that rides like especially me you know like i'm not that good at riding and it's like that's the best dude like that's the best guy in mm-hmm. Australia that we got and it can yeah. happen to him it just is one of those ones that really kind of puts you like puts it all into perspective and yeah. and I remember being I'd call uh, Sam Hill like I had a couple combos with Sam just because mm. and two there's so much like bullshit that can kind of get flown. you know Flies around when oh, yeah. something like this happens, and then you got like you said, the first thing you saw when you open up your phone was R.I.P. Regan Duffy. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so I mean, that's like super gnarly. But I remember calling Sam and being, being in tears. and like, "Fuck, just tell me like what's actually going on, you know?" Because mm. it's, I I knew he'd kind of know. Yeah, um, and yeah, I was just thinking like, "Fuck, we just can't lose this dude. Like, this mm. is one of the good guys, and that's like <laughs> the best guy, you yeah. know, like." And I just, I was, I wonder, I'm like, fuck, I just, I wonder what this will do to the the industry if it, you know, if you didn't make it.
0: Mm. Yeah, just to touch on, like, the when I woke up thing, like that was pretty gnarly to wake up and see a rest in peace Regan Duffy post. (laughs) Just having a look around, like, I think I'm good. (laughs) Am I dead? Yeah, but, yeah, so many people have now told me stories and, like, when I was hurt, there was all the rumours of, a, he's not going to make it, and then it was the thing of, okay, he's stable, but he's going to be disabled, and Yeah, he's never going to be the same Regan. Yeah. Ugh, it makes me upset, but what can you do? I'm pretty sure my dad was contemplating turning my life support off. Really? Yeah, because they told him that I was going to be disabled, and Fuck. fair enough. I wouldn't have wanted to live my life like that anyway, so... Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was talks of that, turning the life support off, because Dad didn't want me to live like that, which I respect 100%. Um, And then I'm pretty sure some close friends and family sort of said, let's just give him a chance, see how he goes. And, yeah, I'm very fortunate that they didn't turn it off because I'm here and I feel normal, seem to act normal. (laughs) I'm all good, but, yeah... um, where were we going how, how long
1: were you on life support for was it uh, four days? yeah and then you come out of it like yeah that.
0: and then I was in the coma for the rest yeah um, yeah oh that's what I wanted to touch on so one thing that I said to dad it hurts me so much more than any of the injuries that I could have possibly pushed people away from the sport mm. because my whole career I've been ever since a little kid one day i want to own a team i don't care if people win races i just want to get people on bikes i just want people to ride like Mm. they need to experience this it's the best and i said to dad my whole career i've tried to bring people into this sport Mm. and i've built up this sort of profile that i've got you know i'm one of the good guys you would say i'm a nice guy i'm approachable um obviously a reasonable racer and then that one crash, I had best mates that I've ridden with my whole life. Just they didn't ride until, I rode. Yeah, I had one friend, and there was like, this is my first ride since Bunbury, and this is like four months later, and I was like, oh, that sucks. Mm. You know, for the record, if I did die racing, i died die doing the thing that I love the most in the world, mm. and I would appreciate nothing more than everyone getting into it and having a go because i'd love nothing more to see packed out gates and you know sold out races it makes me so happy so yeah i was pretty upset when i possibly been pushing little kids away and stuff like bro, it's just a racing incident guys it, it happens mm. it's the game we play but yeah there's nothing better than this sport
1: man it's gnarly like i um i was there when andrew died i think it was pretty similar sort of injury um at broadford and uh dude it took me like 8 years to right? ride like i i mean i rode kind of sporadically but i was just not interested mm. and um i remember it was after it was after he died and there was i was living away and then i went up to home and uh i still had a bike there and stuff and there was like a club there one of my favorite tracks mm. and i did practice i hadn't really ridden much at all so i wasn't really riding that good and i had like a couple little moments where like just little front end and like i just got scared like scared from just the front end going or like a little kick or whatever Mm -hmm. and uh then i was sitting on the start line for the first moto gate dropped i just started crying i didn't take off So, and then i just fucking rode my bike parked it and dad's like you're good and i was like no i'm going home this is fucked so like it just took me so long so like it's hard eh? like when you you know you see someone that you care about and you see everything that you mm. go they go through and then you know it makes you question it but i couldn't stay away mm. like after you know so many years and honestly it was this podcast that like really got me back into yeah into writing because i was just getting to share the froth of you know people doing what they love with yeah. dirt bikes and sort of brought me back around but like man it's hard when you see yeah you know, and like you said like you didn't actually Go through it in a sense, because yeah. you were kind of gone, yeah, exactly. But yeah, for the people that are there, it's just like it's mm. so. And then you know, you think you're hearing like, oh, this, he's not going to make it, and all the stuff. Like mm. it's, it, it is. It just puts into perspective that it's like a gnarly game that we play. But like you said, if you died, you died doing the thing that you love the most. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of people that would follow me on
0: my socials and stuff would know about one of my best mates, yeah. yeah, so. I was in the race with Rue and it was the last state round of the year and we would have been... Was it a Bunbury as well? No, this was this a Manji. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it was the final state round of the year. Um, and I'd wrapped up the title already and I thought, oh, last race of the year, I'll let everyone go. Try to come through the pack again and yeah, the one race that I let everyone go, as per usual, Reese got the whole shot because he was the best starter. Yeah. Couldn't beat the kid. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he... he ended up having a crash on the first lap and uh yeah i come through and i remember just riding over the single before rock and roll hill with my hand on my head because there was just bikes everywhere really yeah like it was like a bomb had gone off and i just i rode past reese and he was on the top of the tabletop and he was just laying face down and i was just like fuck i hope he's a okay. and then um yeah we come back around and the race obviously got called off and stuff um i come in and then one of my good mates billy middleton uh his mum was one of the medics there yeah and i walked down to kylie she's like a strong woman like never cries or anything and i was like is he gonna be right and she
1: just broke down fuck yeah it's it's gnarly man like uh that, that was sort of another thing that everyone was kind of saying is like when you were, um, I guess, still in intensive care or like when it was right after it happened is everyone was saying like, oh, we don't want to go through this again because, mm. you know, Rue was one of the guys that was, you know, one of the kind of like bright yeah. kind of dudes yeah, of WA. and it's good dude. Yeah, man, so it's just a, fuck, it's just a gnarly game that we play, eh? She's a wild sport, but... I know Rue wouldn't want anyone to start racing. Yeah. No chance. The thing is, man, more people die in cars. More people you know? die walking down the street. Yeah. Oh. So it's just, it, it is one of those, mm. you know, you've, you've, there's the risks. Mm. Search so up how many people die a year from coconuts falling on their head. I think it's a lot. Can you Google that real quick, Rhodes? It's definitely a lot of people. Mm. But yeah, fucking gnarly, man. And just for yeah, like WA and WA is such like a tight knit. It's like it's, yeah. on, it's 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 we're whole pretty far from everyone. So, yeah. yeah, it's like its own little
0: ecosystem. So yeah. it's yeah, it's definitely Rue hit hard
1: back then. What year was that? Seventeen or eighteen?
0: Eighteen. Yeah, I think eighteen. Yeah, my bad if I got that wrong, but I believe it was eighteen. Yeah. So yeah, it was. Um, would have been my last year of juniors I think. I was gonna
1: say I think it was your last year of juniors yeah. right which was 18 mm, so yeah
0: pretty pretty tough for a bunch of 16 year old kids like all us guys that were close with him yeah and yeah, see one of the boys go down like that it's pretty tough look, but yeah we all just kept going for him yeah and then yeah like I said I would want people to do the same for me so yeah it's just the love you have
1: for this sport yeah man you find that right? yeah 150 150 people a year die from coconuts so fucking it's gonna happen to anyone there you go be careful when you go on holidays people mm-hmm. um, spend your money on dirt bikes yeah <laughs> so when you got out of the hospital uh, what kind of shape were you in like physically 1 to 10 <laughs> oh I don't know I was in hospital for a while yeah after. how long were you in hospital for, all, for?
0: Uh, over a month fuck yeah it's a long stint day they told me i was gonna be in there six months really right now doing this podcast i should still be in hospital for what they said (laughs) that's insane eh? yeah and i've been back riding my dirt bike so yeah anyway i was uh pretty busted up for a while and a lot of it towards the end of my stint there was doing the rehab and stuff for my arm so yeah so why were you in hospital that long Uh, It was like the precautions for everything. Yes, Just to monitor me, see how everything was healing. Uh, They had to keep a really close eye on me because it was obviously, you know, it was a major injury and it was uh, a fine line of stuff could go wrong. Um, For example, when I did get out of hospital, I was home for two weeks and then I got like crazy pneumonia and had to go back into hospital and get my lungs drained. So I had, uh, out of one lung, I had like a pint of fluid. Fuck. Yeah. A pint. What was it like breathing? <sighs> like <sighs> the tiniest breaths. And like, no shit. How did it come on quick? Yep. Yeah, in absolute agony. Like really crazy. I couldn't sleep. Um, yeah, it was really bad. And I always try to just fight through anything. Mm. Like I won't tell dad if I'm hurt or sick or whatever. And i come out and i
1: was like yeah, we're gonna go back so yeah it was not good <laughs> so you in there for a month were you able to like walk around like did yeah you get to start to like actually do some rehab sort of yeah, stuff. yeah
0: so after after probably three two and a half three weeks after the accident they started to get me to like stand up just to see how i'd go and then they would let me do like five steps holding on to me and they just built up like that and then i posted a video on my story the other day that was the first day they let me walk up and down the hall and uh that was yeah that was after a fair bit of trying as well the first yeah the first time i tried to go out i kept putting my feet like in front of each other and like tripping over my own feet Yeah, yeah yeah crossing over i forgot how to walk so yeah that was really weird because someone like me i've always been such an athletic person sports like anything running and just to not even be able to walk i was like wow this is a big deal hey (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna take a minute yeah so i was walking walking down the hallway and just slowly getting better and better and then that uh the video that i posted is the first day that i was able to just walk normally and he says a smile on my face i'm like oh this is unreal but even that it was so hard i'd be like walking in a straight line and then just unintentionally sway to the right nearly cark it and it's <laughs> sway to the left i nearly tuck the front but <laughs> yeah just over time it just gets better
1: and better and is that because of the stroke
0: uh yeah i think it had a bit to do with it yeah it's not fully because of that it's sort of just the trauma to my body and then not moving for so long Mm. like the laying down in bed for ages was bad um i got a big scar on the back of my head from where they were sort of so focused on getting the rest of my body right they didn't um think about like bed sores or anything Mm. so basically i was maybe moving or twitching a little bit whilst i was in the coma and stuff like that um and then yeah it, it just literally wore a hole in the back of my head yeah so I've got some photos I'll show you after it's dude gnarly yeah it's just it's pretty yuck but now I've got a cute little bald spot on the back <laughs> <laughs> just dig scars bro yeah I don't know if I dig bald dudes yet but <laughs> maybe when I'm older it'll come in and work yeah
1: no there's <laughs> heaps of bald dudes a good pussy no <laughs> so then you get you get home um, and, uh, like, at what point do you think, like, oh, I can, I'll can, i be able to ride again? Um,
0: the crash was October 17. I got home and I was perched on the couch. My dog was, like, busted at the time as well. Really? Yeah, she got ran over. Oh, so what? we were both just laying in the living room together, perched up, wounded as. Fuck. It was the perfect thing because normally she'd be buzzing. Yeah. yeah. So we were just watching foxtail all day netflix and whatever but yeah it was pretty sure from memory it was december 25 christmas oh i I had my first ride on the pit bike yeah just around the lawn and stuff and i didn't post that for ages i remember you sent that
1: to me before yeah yeah yeah.
0: so the big post i did like the release of everything um i put that video in but it was from yeah a a fair bit before um it could have even been earlier than that but i didn't want to post a video of me riding that pit bike around so early because from that point on is when you get hassled about when are you coming back when mm. are you riding again are you going to race again so that's why i kept everything so quiet because i was just going through 99 plus message requests like over and over and over and it was not good mm. <laughs> i appreciate the support but it's a lot oh, it was just a lot to take on in that time when i'm sort of trying to focus on myself and i've yeah i've got a thing i try to reply to everyone because i just feel bad if i don't so i was just going through so if anyone if i haven't replied to one of your messages thank you like i I would have seen it i just yeah i couldn't spend three weeks straight replying to thousands of messages but yeah thanks a
1: lot (laughs) Mm. so you uh you get back on the pit bike And at what point do you start to be like, oh, I'm fucking racing, like, I'm I'm back? Because did it start, did stuff start to come back kind of quickly for you? First ride
0: back on that pit bike, just on the lawn, like, that I've got on video, easier than walking. Really? 100% easier than walking. That's sick. It was, like, so much easier. I straight away just felt like I could put the bike wherever I wanted it. I remember we stopped recording and I was like, Dad, I'm going to be back. Don't you worry, I've still got that feeling that's so yeah and I was so happy like I nearly couldn't sleep that night I was just so pumped that I still because I was nervous I was nervous I was gonna get back and you know which side's the throttle on Mm. I had no idea what it was gonna be like so I was really happy when I jumped on and it still felt like I was at home Mm. but uh as for the racing and stuff to be honest it was probably then probably then I was like I'm gonna race again but uh yeah, I just slowly started building my way up, and um, there's this company you would have seen the e-bikes that I've been riding. Mm. So there's ebmx extreme. Yeah, and uh, Matt, the distributor in WA, he's been helping me out with a bike, and we started off on just a small little electric bike, um, maybe like 65 size. Yeah, and just had it toned right down, and it's mountain bike brakes, so on the bars yeah which is you know pretty easy and then yeah i just started on that started just rolling around my supercross track at home just you know making jumps out of little singles and stuff like that and then once i got a little bit more comfortable and strong on that we moved up to the one i'm on now it's like a it's called a Surron x yeah yeah and the thing is yeah it's crazy it does over 100 k's now like it's honestly you get on an e-bike and uh i know you've got some stuff in the works yeah you get an e-bike and it will blow your mind really like this smile oh my god sickest thing you'll ever ride I uh, honestly i couldn't give a shit when e-bikes take over they're that fun really oh my god they're the best yeah I if do. you're listening get an e-bike they are the best anywhere anytime no one even hears you like the urban spots that open up on an e-bike you know when you're driving down the road and you see something like that'd be so sick to hit on a
1: motorbike yeah i'm gonna go
0: there today on the e-bike no one's even gonna
1: know i'm there and it's gonna be sick that's what it's like (laughs) yeah i'm frothing we go to we go to spain to ride the stark in may and like Mm. we're just got one day riding it at at like the track but dude as soon as i can get one i'm just Mm. fucking frothing i mean dude even you'll be able to set like 250 f power race the 250 class 450 f power race the 450 (laughs) class like at hp there's yeah there's just so (laughs) many like insane advantages Mm. that is gonna happen people yeah anyone that's hating on them now they just don't know like wait till we're all riding in our fucking backyard
0: Mm, i just think people that are hating on them haven't ridden them yeah that's true yeah so other than my dad he'll be listening is he hating on He got on it he was like this thing's a piece of shit, piece of shit. but he's just so old school uh, yeah yeah grew up on two strokes so <laughs> yeah, if it's
1: not a cr500 you yeah, can fuck yeah, off yeah, yeah
0: he's got one of them in the shed
1: so that's his that's his baby but <laughs> and so uh, you go from suron back to, and then you start stepping up
0: yeah and then um honda helped me out with a uh, crf 125 like the sick the pit bike yeah so the we couldn't get one here but then um yeah honda over east helped me out so shout out to them guys they got one over to wa for me um through west coast honda justin yep and then yeah i started riding that and it was a little bit more moto like um same sort of feel and you know the heavier bike so that was the next step and then after a few weeks on that Got on the 450. <laughs> so I'd walk out into the shed, like the workshop every day and try to pull my clutch in on the 450 because... because your left hand's the, the one that's still... left hand was so weak, yeah. so... And I couldn't do it for weeks and weeks. And then after riding uh, the e-bikes with the... the like brakes. just the mountain bike, so yeah. it'd be the rear brake on your left. And it's not the same everywhere in the world, but yeah. it's yeah. on the left there, so... If you're not a kook, it's on the left. <laughs> exactly. So... Just from using that brake all the time, I didn't even realize that it was getting stronger. And then I got on the CRF, and it was pretty light clutch, and I was able to do it um, because with my hand, I can only use my index finger at the moment. Yeah. The the pinky and the ring finger aren't strong enough to hold on if I do index and middle finger on the clutch. Yeah. So yeah. I had to work on just index. Yeah. So I had the whole grip strength. You should have you thought about getting a recluse. Mm, yeah i have but i just i just want to get back to normal yeah sure. yeah i'm just it's getting there anyway so yeah. i want to be able to sort of do that but yeah anyway. i suppose because if you get go to get that then you're not yeah gonna then it's it and, like yeah yeah oh, i'm gonna have to ride a recluse every bike i ride yeah, but, yeah uh, true but um yeah so then i was able to do that and then after a few weeks on it it built up and i walked into the shed and i pulled it in no worries and i was like to dad i'm riding when yeah getting geared up <laughs> so i got geared up and went for a trail ride with one of my best mates harry and then yeah we went for a cruise and it was hard like there was a few times where big 450 clonking along i stalled it a few times yeah like tight turns on a trail ride trying to you know turn around if you did a wrong turn but yeah it was fun we went up rode up to one of the local pubs down the coast had a palmy <laughs> rode back home and it was like this is sick And then pretty much from there it was like back to normal riding three days a week just trying not going fast or anything just being on the bike and getting
1: back into it i suppose so what was the so now you started like riding again properly right to an extent yeah. like to an extent Mm. what because i I think the thing that i'd always wonder if i was in your position is like how's my brain going to deal with the speed is it going to feel the mm. same when I ride? So when you do try and go faster, like, does the speed still feel the same to you? Now, yes. At the start, no. At yeah, the start, right. it
0: was like when you watch the Star Wars or something, and have yeah. <laughs> the stars coming at you. So that's was- what it's like for me all the time, because <laughs> <laughs> that never went away. Why do you ride? That's so scary. Oh, it's <laughs> fucking very scary. <laughs> but uh, yeah, at the start, it was really scary the first ride on the 450 i was like holy these things are fast (laughs) but uh yeah after time it's sort of just your eyes readjust to it and obviously because i have been able to go that speed before i feel like a lot of my body has gone back quicker than a normal person because a i was the fittest i'd ever been before and Mm. b is just the muscle memory like all this stuff comes so natural to me now because you know i'm only 19 but it's this is 17 years deep in the game now. I am. I got a, <laughs> a, a KDX 50 for my second birthday. So, yeah, I'm yeah I'm pretty pretty deep in the game. <laughs> yeah, so it's all come back super quick, which I'm fortunate about. And now, I can go as fast as I want, but it's just down to the hand and the arm being a bit weak at the moment. Yeah. So, the last couple of weeks, um, the week before round one of the nationals at Wanthagie, I come back down uh just to see everyone and um Ross Beaton lent me his bike and uh, the last couple of weeks I've been riding that so I've pretty much just been back on the program with the boys trying to do the motos and stuff and yeah there's I've only been one or two times that I haven't been able to finish a moto like a 30 uh yeah just 25 plus two or something <sighs> <laughs> so but now yeah the last day I rode at PBI the track down there it was good yeah i qualified only like a few seconds off some of the faster guys so i was stoked with that um
1: yeah it's coming back real quick man it's it's insane (laughs) like it's crazy to think that everything that you went through and it's only been you know five months since it since it happened and just like the i guess the level of like focus and kind of commitment from your end you know Mm, yeah and i don't know
0: i i could have been better so far i've fucked around a little bit and you know once once I got better I was like oh you know have some drinks with my mates and mm. mess around and I have been a bit of a shithead here and there as as my dad and Ross would tell you but uh yeah I'm trying. Did you feel like you needed that though? I think so yeah yeah, I would think so and that I think that's why I wanted to do it so bad because it was like locked up for so long just being sick and everything and then I sort of just wanted to let loose a little bit but yeah. I feel like I had to do that to get it out of the system,
1: but... And I mean, not even just that. I mean, look at your life. Like, we'll sort of once we, get, I guess, get through this, we'll talk about the career side mm. of things, but it's like fucking crazy career so far. Yeah, yeah, You know, to be 19 and to... Like, you've just been on the grind your entire life. Mm. And then you're... Well, you do die, and then you come back, and it's just like... I mean, I get it. The, you know, you want to kind of fuck around for a little bit. Yeah. Like, that's a, there's a lot of... Uh, i guess there'd be a lot that built up during that that time you know yeah nah, i'm just now i'm at the point so it, it's like i want to ride dirt bikes that's all i care about so i'll just stick with that and i'll be back yeah dude yeah well man it's it's crazy and i appreciate you um yeah going into detail and stuff like i know that there's a lot of people that'll be very uh i guess obviously glad to hear that you you know made it back to this point but mm. Yeah, just crazy to hear the fucking detail of, you know, exactly what went down, man. Yeah, well, I, like I said, I wish I knew more. I don't remember a
0: lot of it, so to be honest, there'd probably be a, a gnarlier story underlying somewhere, but yeah, that's the bits I can relay to you guys, so yeah, it's
1: pretty wild as it is, so, yeah. And then, so what's your plan now? Like, just keep keep building and, you know, yeah. like, come back for maybe, like, next season or...
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, I think next season's realistic. That's uh that's where I could probably be good to go again. Um anything sorry. No you're good. Anything earlier I think would be pushing it. Yeah. But and there's no it. real reason. No, nah, that's it. The season's gone now. Like it's done. I'm not stressed about it at all. Um so yeah, I'll just keep building up and keep getting better and better and yeah, I'm just not even gonna set a goal because when you set a goal you're going to be upset if you don't reach it so yeah i'm just going to be happy with wherever i end up and yeah i'll just continue my training and hope that it happens sooner rather than later
1: yeah what um what do you think about them canceling the uh, just random but i just had the thought canceling the the series after four rounds last year Mm. i mean my perspective it sucked but
0: what do you do yeah it's a it's a global pandemic it's a lot bigger than promax yeah so, yeah yeah i suppose you just had to do what you had to do but yeah from my opinion it sucked i didn't get the chance to try to come back and be better yeah so I had a shit over the last round
1: yeah yeah that was uh yeah there was such a weird deal last year with the way that uh, just i mean the mm. last couple of years how everything mm. went down i mean and so your your last year of juniors this is fucking crazy for people that don't know. Your last year of juniors was 2018. 2019, you do the MXD. Mm-hmm. And then you went 2020, 50 class. Yeah. Uh, no. Or what, 2020 was COVID. Yeah, then you did the... Yeah, so yeah. then it was COVID. And then 2021 straight into the 450 class yeah so i went from under so it's nine been a like crazy 450s <laughs> crazy ride so far for, yeah. for that career yeah well it's progressed quickly
0: that's for sure but it's hard um i'm a bigger guy i'm yeah. like you know 6'2", 82 kilos so <laughs> man child yeah it's tough on a 250 um and i suppose if you had a factory 250 you could make it work but even for the level we in Australia, really factory like our, our factory 250s aren't factory 250s. No, it's just you know? a race bike anyone yeah. can build, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. You can you can buy all those parts. There's nothing nothing too hidden or secret about them. So, yeah, me and my dad had a good talk about it, and I was riding the 450 well. And, obviously, when I was 16, I won Manjima up on the 450, and that's, like, one of the toughest races in Australia. So, yeah. we knew I could ride it, and then... The thing that we were sort of just umming and ahhing a little bit about between myself and Ross and dad was just, you know, can you maintain that for a whole season? Mm. It's all well and good to do it for one day, but are you going to be strong enough to back that up weekend after weekend? So that's where we obviously just went into grind mode and yeah, I was good. I was, the problem with me, honestly, in 2021, I felt like I wasn't even getting warmed up. Mm. I was a little bit too like diesel ready to go at the end i needed for when i come back now like i need to work on my sprint speed yeah start and sprint hard for five laps and you know that's where someone like luke cloud is so good he can be eighth into the first turn come out second and have a 10 second gap by the third lap yeah his sprint speed is incredible and that's why he's the reigning champion you know i just didn't have that for him
1: um you said something before just to go back on um being the fittest you've ever been in your life when you had that crash mm. that would have played such a huge role Massive. in in your recovery eh? like obviously your age and then the fact that you were so fit oh and they told me that
0: over and over i really? had um i was laying in bed one day and i just had my lunch this is in hospital um i think i was still still in icu it's one of my last days in icu and one of the top doctors like the guy in the full lab coat and everything rolls around and he walks to the end of my bed and he puts both hands on the end of my bed and he like looked to the ground and he was like <sighs> looked up at me what the fuck and walked away I was like hmm. morning <laughs> <laughs> <G'day, man. laughs> yeah good to see you too but yeah they were really surprised i had so many i had like teams of doctors and nurses just walking around like oh, know, this is Regan he just did this and they're like what wow like he they read my report and you can just see they're blown away that I'm sitting there eating cereal looking normal so yeah they said to me
1: if you weren't that fit dead yeah no ifs or buts like, yeah, you're not supposed to live from that like no when you tear all. your aorta off your heart like mm. you're supposed to bleed out in a couple of minutes and die yeah that's the fucking mm. program. Yeah, it's a, it's a
0: gnarly deal. And, yeah, they've said to me time and time again, if you weren't this fit or and your age, that's it. Like, you are so lucky. So, yeah, uh, got a lot of, an- lot of angels looking out for me,
1: that's for sure. Do you, did you have any, uh, I guess, like, perspective shifts when it comes to life? Like, you're pretty young. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's still so... Uh- <laughs> like they're growing even between like 19 and 29 like you'll be a completely mm. different person it's just part of growing up but did you have any kind of like real perspective shifts or any kind of anything like that when you were sort of going through it or do you have like a different outlook on things now after like going through what you went through
0: yeah i do um one of the regrets i actually have is when i first sort of got a little bit better when i was still in hospital i went through like a bit of a negative sort of stage like a like a fuck the world stage yeah and I, yeah i regret that now um, i was pretty you know rude to girlfriend friends family uh, i do regret it but it was a tough tough stage to mm. go through i didn't really know how else to combat it but it was yeah it was a really like a like i said before a, a why me mm. sort of deal and i was just like fuck this place fuck these people doctors like they don't know what's right for me Mm. and it's so stupid now i think about it because you know they're the only reason that i survived but from there i did sort of move on from that and now it's like i just want to do my thing i just want to have fun i want other people to have fun yeah i just i just want to live a good life Mm.
1: and race my dirt bike professionally hopefully yeah so let's go back to the start we'll we'll be done with that it's Mm. fucking insane i'm glad you're here (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad you you made it mate uh yeah just worry don't do it again Yep. um but so let's just full go back into like the the moto kind of career um so you got into it at two so Mm. is your dad just like a full diehard moto dude
0: yeah so like a bit of sort of backstory on my dad is he was actually a really good racer himself yeah Um, right just uh he he never never really got out of wa or anything um he was a good junior could have won a few national titles but had a bit of bad luck and stuff like that um but the thing that stopped him he broke his leg and then the story goes you know girls drinking Mm. stuff like that from the injury and he said that was the end of him that's why my dad's pretty strict on me with stuff like that yeah um especially like i said before when i was mucking around a little bit like he wasn't happy because he didn't want me to go down, down that, that same, same road thing, yeah because you know, it was
1: sort of a what could have been deal with him yeah so which he'd know like he he probably lives with that you know re- yeah regret in a way yeah exactly oh, He's
0: moved on now of course but um yeah i think even now like if my dad jumps on a bike next to me hole shot me every time guaranteed no matter what bike we're on like he's such a good starter and he always gives me so much shit about my starts
1: but yeah he's a really good rider so that's why do you get shit starts because there's some guys I'm fucking so curious Mm. Dylan Ferrandes shit so shit at getting starts has not got a start all supercross season one of the best riders in the world you one of the best riders in the world can't get a fucking start how hard is it Why, why 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 if I knew I wouldn't be getting shit starts Jase I know but I just we've got to figure it out I just (laughs) I want to I don't understand how there's guys that can be so good at riding that just can't do that somebody DM me with the response to that question
0: because I don't know I really try I get some starts that are like I just would have whole shot Michael Essie then yeah and then I get other starts like 7th place 65 C grade yeah I don't understand that's what I would have got just then I don't understand I do the exact same thing every time my dad says it's my throttle control. He says I've got shit throttle control and shit feel for my bike. Mm. So, he's probably right. He's a good solder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I just don't get it, eh? I just don't understand, like... Especially, like, for Andis. I know. That's a puzzle, man. Mm. Like, how you can be so good at riding... On a star the f- bike. F- yeah. I just cannot get a fucking start.
0: Yeah. It should be a recipe for whole shots,
1: but... Mm.
0: I don't know. Gotta don't
1: work know. on that, mate. Yeah, I don't know. I know. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, you get... You got your old boy Savage get you on a bike. And yeah. I always wonder with guys like you were you just always super talented from the jump? Like I just wonder how that shit worked.
0: Yeah, I sort of just gelled with dirt bikes really quickly and you know for Christmas every year I would ask for a pile of this dirt, you know, what how they make um what they make BMX tracks out of, like that blue metal sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. The ground down stuff. Yeah. Christmas dad get me a truckload of that dirt i just <laughs> build push by jumps all yep. day every day so things like that um and i don't know i feel like my dad maybe had a plan in the back of his head with it because he would encourage it so much but like, the like my, b- bmx and stuff yeah like my timing was always super good and my fitness was obviously good because i did so much outdoors sort of things um dad got me like a little electric trials bike so my balance was always really good and Man, pit bikes, massive into pit bikes. Dad was like, pit bikes all day. Every day after school, me and my best mate, Matt, pit bikes until dark. That's sick. And it's like, dad says it to me now and it sort of clicked with me. Um, The reason why I can make a bike go so fast is because of the years on pit bikes, Mm. learning to ride a motorbike to its maximum. Yeah. Clicks, does the same thing on big bikes. Now I know how to get the most out of a bike. Yeah. So as much as people hate on pit bikes because they are pretty deadly sometimes but
1: it's a massive part of why i'm the racer i am now man so maddie he uh he got a ttr 125 Mm. for that was like his first bike yeah and uh he used to race that thing against like the 85s (laughs) and man like that same deal that bike was just flat everywhere and he Mm. is such a good rider now and i i would watch him like literally come into every turn and just be like
2: oh, the
1: whole <laughs> way around every turn and all the other kids are on on these 80s and they're like barely on the throttle yeah. until they're fully out of the turn and like his corner speed now and like the way he rides a bike yeah is so good and i think it's a similar thing like he just had the slowest fucking piece of shit ever and he raced against all these fast guys and he like had to figure out a way how to do it yeah no so it's
0: it's things like that my dad has been really smart with to put me in those sort of situations. And it's really sort of built me as a rider through my whole career. But I don't know. Like I used to, I remember my first race. So I remember my first ever race. How weird. How old were you? Three and a half. Fuck. That's crazy. We told him I was four because you're not allowed to race to be four. I still remember the lady looking down at me going, it's a pretty small four year old. Yeah. (laughs) Dad was like, yeah, he's little. So anyway, we go down the line. I did the race. I remember, you know, when you see them kids that are just getting lapped and they're looking around, everyone going past them. That was me. I was like watching everyone go past me. And I was just crying and crying and like, fuck this. Like, why am I so slow? But anyway, it kept going. I just got better and better. I was bridesmaid for so many years. Really? "Mm." Who was beating you? In 50s, it was a kid called Lewis Collier who... I'd be like best mates with after the race. Yep. Toy Modi's hated each other on the track, and he'd always beat me. And then after that, I he sort of finished after fifties. I think there was a I don't know whether there was a little bit of family stuff or something like that. And then we went to sixty fives, and my arch nemesis from there until nearly eighty five big wheels was a kid called Jacob Daniels. Yeah, right. And two years in a row, he beat me in the state titles and shook my hand at the end of the, uh, race. He said, don't worry. there's always next year. <laughs> oh, burnt. <me. laughs> yeah. So the next year, so like the third year of racing him in the 65s, um, cause I was bawling my eyes out when he said that to me. And the next year I beat him and he was bawling his eyes out. And I said, don't worry, Jacob, there's always next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <thank laughs> He'll laugh when he hears that. But yeah. So I finally from there. So like, uh, end of, 85 small wheels or maybe had another year left of 85 small wheels that's when I started like winning a little bit more um just like so hungry to win Uh, and no one really my dad a little bit but no one really instilled that in me I just just yeah the boys on my program now with Ross they know like I will like actually make myself sick if I don't win yeah I've got something wrong with me I
1: I hate losing so do you like winning or you hate losing that's the thing it's like what is it yeah because I, I like for me when i especially though i can't win motocross so i don't really give a fuck about that mm. but in jiu-jitsu i can win and it's like i almost hate losing more than i like winning i don't really care to win as much as i just don't mm. want to fucking lose i honestly think you've hit the nail on the head like <laughs> i'll be i'll
0: be stoked when i win yeah it's like, like, oh, like cool. obviously like yeah cool but then at the same time you're like that's what i worked for I don't train to lose like I train to win so when you win
1: that it's like good it makes sense good job
0: when you lose it's like oh what are you doing
1: I Uh, just hate the feeling of like I feel like I've let everyone down yeah or I hate like I hate if someone's come to watch Mm. and I'd lose it would just be the shittest feeling so I just want to avoid that at all costs yeah I'm I'm just
0: my own biggest critic with everything Mm. yeah when I lose I come in and I'm try in the recent years try not to lose my shit because I've probably had a few meltdowns that I shouldn't have had but (laughs) (laughs) but um, yeah I definitely have a good long hard look at myself in the mirror and try to sort it out for the next race but yeah so in juniors I wasn't um, wasn't so much the winning guy until I was probably 13 and then from when I was 13 with the local stuff I sort of started winning everything in WA like Probably from when I was 14, I was probably like the quickest guy in WA, junior or senior. Yeah, really? mm, So, um, yeah, from there I definitely got a lot faster. What clicked, do you reckon? Um, I think I always had like the right skill set, but then when I was 13, I grew a lot. Yeah, right. And yeah, I was just, I could just manhandle the bike a lot better than some other kids could. Um, so I was pretty lucky with that, that I got big quickly. So, um, you see a lot of guys like Roxon and Hurlings, even when they first come into GPs and they're like 15, they're big 15 year olds. Mm. Um, so yeah, I had the right build for it and yeah, everything sort of just clicked in that aspect. But yeah, well, I think I got four or five junior titles and I have one in 65, 85, and 250. So yeah, I've got four junior titles and then the under 19s title. Yep.
1: Mm. Yeah. I reckon uh it's funny you say about like growing. I think that we're entering an era now in motocross where like bigger guys it's like really going to start to become a huge advantage mm. to be a bigger guy. So like I look at Chase Sexton mm-hmm. as the guy like he's deadlifting fucking massive numbers and he's like doing these like proper squats and mm-hmm. his, his legs dude are just like fucking tree trunks. Yeah. And you can see him. There was one, I can't remember what race it was, but there was one berm in particular. Um, it's where they This year they jumped the finish line and then you had that uh, right-hander into a whoop section and then the triple. And like you could just see the way that he was like forcing the bike into this rutted berm with his legs mm. and it you just see that there's it's kind of the first time that like power is becoming in, an important thing in in racing and like i see that when when you ride there's like a really like fucking binding down on the bike with your legs and then you know you see like malcolm's doing really well at the moment tomac's always been a pretty solid dude so i think we're actually kind of entering an era where it's almost like the techniques evolved dude jet as well we're talking about in the car like jet's fucking massive for mm. an 18 year old i think that in the years past the technique hadn't caught up for the bigger guys in a way but now the way that you guys are riding the bike it's like the legs are real far back and then the upper body comes down flat so i, don't, I just really think that it's a huge advantage now to be a bigger guy yeah well What's the top dudes in the early
0: 2000s? Ricky, James, Chad. Short, short, short. Yeah. Now it's like Tomac, Anderson, and Mookie, guys like that. They're they're bigger. I think the taller guys are now finding a way to ride with that technique, you know, ride around being so tall. So, perfect example, like you said, is Chase or dean wilson has a really good style yeah whereas back in the day like them bigger dudes they might have been hunched back and you know their big flipper feet hanging off the sides but now the bigger guys we've sort of figured a way that we can do the right technique and really make it work for us because we've got so much leverage yeah being taller and like you said being stronger
1: i'm stoked that i'm a tall guy that's for sure what what um what are you thinking about technique-wise when you're riding, like, body position-wise and stuff? Do you have any, like, kind of cues in your head or, like, things that you think about when you're riding to, like, get into that position? Just toes. All I think about is my feet. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. I feel like the rest
0: rest really follows for me, but I just, I really try to work on my feet, being, you know, on the balls of your feet or on the toes. So, like, yeah, really, really uh, over-exaggerate that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and then it's just, it's just like a second set of suspension for you. Yeah. So I think that's a massive thing. And then, you know, keeping your hips unlocked and your back straight, that's always been a hard one for me, the back straight. And I've been trying to work on that a little bit in the recent years, but I do have a bit of a hunchback when I ride. Yeah, so, yeah I do too. Yeah. So like Christian Craig or something like, mm. picture perfect. That's, that's how I'd like to look on a bike. Um, Chase Sexton... I, like, can't fault him other than his head is down a little bit. Mm. You notice he's... But I think he's one of those guys that rides with his head down, but then his eye's up. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit deceiving. Yeah. But, yeah, if I could just tweak one thing
1: on Chase, I'd just lift his helmet up a touch. Yeah. And then he's, like, perfect. How do you... When you say, like, unlock the hips, how do you, like, think about doing that?
0: I don't know. You sort of just feel like you're just rolling your hips out and just poking your ass out a little bit just yeah. keeping a f- flat back yeah. you know it's it's a difficult thing to do and it's something that yeah like i said i have struggled with when i ride but i think it's one of those things um with time it'll become natural i still remember the first ever day at ride park vic when i was 14 with ross and yeah. he was telling me to ride on my toes and i was like this guy has no idea yeah. what this is stupid how can you even ride fast like this? And now I cannot ride any other way. Yeah. Like it's just just become habit. And if I was to ride, you know, flat foot or duck foot, I would
1: suck. Dude, I, I see Verb um, always post that, uh, Stew's Day. Like mm. on every Tuesday they post clips of Stew. His feet were like that. Oh my God.
0: I said to someone not even a week ago. Crazy. Can you imagine if James Stewart
1: rode on his toes? Oh, dude, I th- I thought the exact same thing I was watching. It was like a clip from like High Point or something mm. like that. And yeah, knowing what you know now of <laughs> like the way that everybody rides, if he was riding on his toes, like holy shit. Perfect seasons over and over. Probably, <laughs> who knows? Because he, he would just get that wild.
0: He had like no grip or anything and he would just get loose ass. But always death gripped the bars never had a finger on the clutch. Mm. So if you he notice, he'll be going through the whoops front wheel starts to come up it's gone there's no Mm. bringing it back and i heard a story it was apparently because when they were younger they couldn't afford clutches so his dad taught him to ride without the clutch really Mm. i'd believe it yeah i would too and you know i respect the shit out of that like that's awesome
1: nowadays the that was one thing that um ricky and chad actually when they were doing the podcast at ozx they sort of had a dig about the riders these days and like how much they use the clutch. So Mm. I actually don't think Ricky and Chad and those guys use the clutch that much either back then. No, but I don't burn through clutches. Mm. I never burn through clutches.
0: People take the piss with it these days. Mm. And like as much as it's getting, you know, your bites pull out the turn, a lot of it is fear as well. Because when I first got on the 450, I raped the clutch for the first week. My dad was like, what are you doing? because the front end would come up and i'd be like trying to keep it down yeah so it's uh, it goes both ways there's like this perfect happy medium that you need to get in and yeah now like i never burn out clutches yeah and i go just as fast as anyone so it's be worse on 250s but 450 guys i don't know i don't think you need to do it that much
1: man tomac literally just puts (laughs) the thing on the stop and then it's just all clutch for the entire lap. yeah I laughed at that thing that you said, like, who destroys a 450 oh, yeah. in 20 minutes? That's where, that's where he's at, though, eh? It's yeah. like, dude, a 450 would last me two years. 450 lasts him 20 minutes. Mm. It's just like a disposable fucking bike at this point. It's like one of those Kodak cameras. That you, can, <laughs> you just One night out of the piss and then yeah, it's done. It's 20 photos, throw it in the bin. Mm. <laughs> oh, it's hectic, man. Yeah. But yeah, he's just one of those dudes that's just like, there was, what race was it? Phoenix where i think it was the first one that he won for the year Mm. there was like there was a that long uh i guess you're coming across the start straight and then you go right into the finish line and like he'd come out of that turn and the thing was just on the stop Mm. as he comes into the turn the whole way down (laughs) fuck
0: you're an animal bro oh but it's it's crazy to see when the two different styles meet Mm. so for example one thaggy on the weekend first round of the australian championship I watch Clout go through, like revving the shit out of it. Yeah. And then I watch Webster go through. Was he on an e-bike?
1: Dude, like
0: it's, he's got a crazy good style yeah, Webster, he's getting eh? really good. But uh, it shows you no, know, that top level, there can be such different mm. styles and techniques um, to make that speed work. But like somewhat to ride at the style or like the aggression level that Luke has, fuck, he must be strong, man. Mm. Like really strong. Um, whereas, you know, Webster's the strongest guy I know, but so efficient, his style. Mm. And I believe that's the way of the future.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you said before 2014, Ride Park Vic was the first time you worked with Ross. Mm. That's crazy. I didn't know you guys went that far back. Mm. Oh, no, no. I was 14. Oh, you were 14, (laughs) not 2014. Yeah, Yeah. it would have been. But still, that's a long time Yeah, it would
0: have been late 2016 or 2017. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah been pretty full on since then with ross so i remember the first that first day um this is so from day one my dad liked ross because of this so my dad's a real straight shooter for anyone who doesn't know um so i come in from my first little ride and ross goes how do you think you felt out there i said oh yeah pretty good like i've yeah i'm going all right well i think you look shit (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, oh and my dad's like yeah <laughs> oh, my man. yeah yeah he looked shit didn't he oh, getting in on it that's fucking awesome oh and i was like this guy who even are you and then yeah working with ross he's a beast
1: he'd still get on the bike right now and like wax me for a lap really so talented yeah man he is insanely mm. talented like what was it injuries that stopped him i think riding? it was a femur Yeah, he had like a bad injury in there. He was on CDR. That's right. And then
0: I believe he broke his femur. And from there is when he got into a bit of coaching while he was injured with Jed. Yep. And then, you know, it sort of just progressed from there. And I think he fell in love with it a little bit. So from that point on, he sort of honed his craft. And yeah, now I speak to some people that started with Ross real early and they said the, the thing that's changed with Ross is now he's so good at uh, like telling you what you need to do, but why you need to do it. Yeah. And that's obviously a thing that I've worked with Ross for years now. And that's the thing that he is good at. He can tell you what to do, but why you need to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I could tell you that get off your brakes and go around that corner. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Keep your flow. Like just things like that. Ross is really smart and structured with his training. So that's why I think
1: his deal works so what's that whole program like down there because it's sort of it seems like that's the first aussie kind of like baker's factory type of deal Mm. where there's like a bunch of the top guys you're all riding together you're all on these kind of crazy tracks like how does that that setup work yeah well it's it's sort of like just you do your payment thing with ross or whatever and then
0: you so i think he has three guys that stay with him full-time at his house Um, I stay with the Townsend family down in Wontaggie which shout out to them they're amazing Um, then Webster and Tini live together 15 minutes down the road and then a few other guys come from a little bit further away but we're all reasonably close and then we might have what would it be I reckon it would be five or six tracks within an hour Mm. that we've got and we just revolve around them and a lot of it is dependent on weather and stuff can we get water on there whatnot? but yeah we just we structure it like race days pretty much um and then like you said having those top guys there being able to ride with them every day and i suppose race with them Mm. quotation marks but yeah it just gets that intensity up you know you can do a million laps on your own but you're gonna go to a race day and you get smoked because you don't have that intensity Mm. so yeah ross has this new thing that he's figured out um with another guy's dad from the group uh like a lap time board oh yeah so we've all got transponders and stuff now i don't know if i was supposed to say that but sorry ross but (laughs) yeah we've got uh transponders and stuff now so he's he can really get back to the coaching side of things and give us the tips because he has these go-kart stopwatches yeah that have like six different things on them yeah i know she have seen that guy with three of them around his neck and a phone Yeah, yeah. Timing fifteen of us. Like crazy how he does it. I don't don't know how. How he's done it for that long is beyond me. But now we've got uh these transponders and then the board. So the line will be down here and twenty metres up the track will be um your number and then your lap time. Yeah. So the whole motor we can just um uh, you know, look at our times and he's giving us what we need on the pit board and then yeah, it just does all that sort of thing so that's really good that's a new addition which is i think going to help us a lot because like i say when ross has been so tied up with his stopwatches and stuff he's not really watching what's yeah, going on yeah it just makes it hard for him to like he still sees stuff but i think now it opens up uh, the door for coaching and tips a little bit more which is good
1: and so what's the and then do you do all the strength and conditioning stuff there as well yeah so this year has
0: changed a little bit but um last year when i was on it full-time we were all going through john park i don't know if you've heard of him so jp sports physio and he writes us all up our program and stuff that we need to do and you know it's it's ever-changing it's you know we might start down here at the start of the year but by the end of the year he has it set out so we're peaking at the right times and he's super smart with it all and john's helping me now with getting uh the left arm back up to strength and just getting me strong again so yeah so we've got that aspect covered and then the on bikes with Ross and then yeah we sort of just hang out we're like a big family we're all best mates and we all get along so good so it's just like-minded individuals yeah hanging out and we're all in the grind so we're all suffering together it makes it a lot easier rather than you know one person suffering and then I've got it easy Like we can all relate to each other really well that's yeah.
1: what it comes down to yeah man it's a it's a crazy kind of bond you can get with people when you're going through the grind mm. in that way I mean I feel like that with the boys at the gym and you know there's days where I'm like like tonight I definitely don't feel like training but it's like fuck everyone's going to be there yeah. the boys are going hard there's a couple of them got comps coming up and all that so you're like alright fuck I'll get in there and yeah. you know you do it for the boys kind of thing and mm. then you get, uh, you can get a crazy kind of close relationship with people in a quick, uh, like amount of time, because. You know the the suffering that they're going through, you know the grind that they're going through, you know how bad their body feels every time yeah. they rock after training and it's just I don't know, it's it's really hard to relate to other people in that way if they're not kinda of going through it in the in the same sense. Yeah, it's like comforting almost that yeah. yeah, we're all wounded right now. Yeah. And it's that
0: you've got something to talk to at the track in the morning like, Oh, I'm so sore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so But it's like when I go home, like, obviously my best friends. Uh, from Perth that's who I've grown up with and whatever but um, I might have three or four real close friends back home but then I would take every one of these 10 to 15 guys here they're my close friends because mm. yeah we're just so close together and yeah like I said before like-minded and yeah it's just it's a
1: really good atmosphere. Are you doing a lot of technical stuff as well, or you kind of just doing mostly motos these days? We sort of have our times. Yeah. Like, some days we'll,
0: we'll be into the more technical stuff, and if there's something that we're all really struggling with, okay, we'll go we'll go work on that and get that better then. But, yeah, we do do a lot of motos. She's a grind. Yeah. And, you know, Ross is...
1: Yeah, yeah, he's a savage. He is a savage. He comes from a tough place. He's a yeah. tough man, and yeah. I can imagine that he's only getting tougher in his old age. <laughs> Yeah, he loves it. <laughs> was it. Was it hard to move away from WA? Because I always wondered, um, so you have this crazy run, MXD, obviously, then COVID year, then you're on the 450, you're fucking killing it, Motocross the Nation, you're fucking killing it. You had a bunch of offers to go over to Europe, but you decided, I don't know if people know that or not, um, but people, you decided to stay here was what's the reasoning there and like is it hard because wa is just like its own deal it's almost like its own country mm. in a sense so it's like you know for you to move to the east coast i'm sure is like tough at times but then even the thought of like moving overseas so i don't know like is it hard to be from wa and then kind of like pack your life up because it is so different
0: like yes it is hard to answer your question but i think um it's a lot easier these days because for me kyle webster and conantini mm. they've like paid the way for wa guys they come over here on their own they went to sydney i believe at the start and they started that whole deal like of two wa guys just packing their life up and going all in at it and that's been massive for me to be able to go to them and ask them oh, what do you think about this or what mm. did you do here things like that and now there's i think there's five or six wa dudes on ross's program that's it yeah so we're all in we're all sort of coming over because wa has some crazy riders oh dude like, our tracks over there are just so different so it just breeds mongrel dogs yes and we yeah we go hard in wa but <laughs> yeah the drum and bass and fucking sand track let's go yes pretty much (laughs) the thing wa people struggle with i think is just how different the tracks are here yeah so that's why we do need to do what connor and kyle have done and pack up the whole life and go all in at it because yeah our tracks are sick but they're different to here as you've ridden there they're Mm. quite flowy sort of sand tracks you wouldn't have really ridden any of the hard pack tracks but Our hard pack tracks are just hard as a cat's head. Yeah. With a little bit of sprinkle on top to make it sketchy. Yeah, just dust and pebbles. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's sort of where we come from. But uh yeah, once you come over here and really delve into this whole lifestyle and track setup and everything, we do adapt quite quickly, but yeah, it's a it's a big move when mm. you're young, especially. Um I started out I would come to Ross for three weeks or I'd come to Ross for a month and then I'd go home and it sort of just got longer each time going back and forth.
1: You just but, uh, need to get into a routine that way like it's yeah. so hard to disrupt the like by going back and forth. Yeah
0: I know and that's what I mean like it was really good for me but like I've said now a couple times about the other boys you really do just need to pack up and go all the way mm. you either in or you're out so last year that's when I moved with the Townsend family and they took me and my girlfriend at the time in and yeah that was it that's why I, I did so good last year because I was here We had a all, base all I had to worry routine. about yeah. yeah I know that everything I need's there I go do my thing I've got my van you know that's, that's all you need you just need to be in the right situation yeah
1: and like we were saying before at lunch you know like this is kind of the when you are an athlete at the level that you are it's like there's a certain level of selfishness that you've got to have mm. to you know just maintain just the because you're a high level dude you know like the diet's got to be high level the sleep's got to be high level the recovery like i mean for a lot of people they probably don't even realize just how important recovery is you know uh. in the midst of you know it's it's almost like the you know the writing and the training is literally just 50 percent of the picture because then the next half mm. is just recovery recovery yeah i would honestly
0: Cut it, cut it 50 50 like mm. it's uh you can make it less you can make it 70 percent training 30 recovery but then you know you're messing up your training the next day yeah you need to be selfish and just chill out after you're riding as much as you want to do stuff or other people want you to do stuff like it sucks you can't can't do that stuff with them but you, probably, you can't be normal yeah that's it you can't you can't be normal but like why would you want to be normal when you can be a professional motocross rider and ride a dirt bike and get paid for it yeah i'd rather miss out on a lunch date than a career in dirt bikes
1: (laughs) yeah 100 (laughs) percent. so let's talk about the motocross the nations thing Mm. and then we'll go from there so you get picked for motocross the nations full sand in the netherlands it was assen right yeah so it's on top of
0: a moto gp track and they it's just like a crater across the road and they just cut dirt in like crazy amounts of sand were brought in. But, um, yeah, I think someone, I don't know whether someone else got picked and then they couldn't make it. I think Toddy got picked. Oh, that's right. And then Toddy, because he's a weapon was like, nah, you know what? I've done a few of these, like let's give some of these younger guys a go. That's right. Which thank you, Todd. That was pretty cool of you. Um, so yeah I got to go I got the I got the call from Mark Luxich and I was working at the farm with dad so we're cattle farmers by the way didn't yep. really go into that but <laughs> I was working at the farm with dad and he goes hey Regan and I was like, so excited because I knew what it was hey Mark how you going and uh, he was like got a question for you and I was like I'm in <laughs> <laughs> and he was like what do you mean I was like I'm in I'll come and he was like "Ah, oh, right so you know what we're talking about I was like I hope so <laughs> <laughs> I hope this is what you're calling me about and he was like alright well we need to sort some stuff out then so send me your email and I'll send it all over to you and I was just like yes going to Nations it's like the greatest thing ever in my my whole childhood is watching Nations like my dad has always taught me this is the Olympics of motocross this is yeah. like this is the top and for me like I'll never put any other series above Nations Mm. that is that's pinnacle for me that's the greatest honour you can receive in motocross racing I would say to be able to represent your country and oh man I hope I get to do it again it was an incredible experience Um, pretty unfortunate with the weather pretty much as we got there it was good for the first day and then it just started pissing down for the rest of the time Uh, so it was pretty muddy but uh the first qualification day was good i went out and i was i got a pretty good start it was my first ever mesh start mm. they were like oh, the track's real heavy we don't want to get your bike hot so they wouldn't let me do a practice start really And i'd never done a mesh start before and i was like Fuck, okay and i went on the line and i was just feeling the bike out a little bit feeling how the grip yeah. was nearly pulled whole shot straight away against the guys that have done it for like years now which was sick Um, and I was running third I can't remember who it was in front of me two two known names and I was just cruising behind them I was like I feel pretty good and I was hoping I was going to get into a nice flow after a few laps and I probably ran third for four or five laps and then I just had a bit of a mind blank and forgot where the track went a little bit and I just went a little bit too inside off a single and just landed on a full fluffy sand pile on the inside of the track and my bike went to a dead stop and I just front flipped over the bike and uh, the crowd went nuts when I crashed. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's pretty sick. <laughs> First time I've ever cheered for crashing. <laughs> um, so I got up and I still finished sixth in that race. So that was really good and that sort of opened up uh, a few eyes for me uh, with teams and stuff. They thought, okay, we'll keep an eye on him. Obviously, I'm like the 16-year-old kid there on a 450 that's so so insane yeah so anyway we go into the motos and the first moto by this time it's bucketing down like proper rain and i wish i had a gopro on my helmet i'm just looking up into the stands of like this moto gp track because obviously they've got massive grandstands and it's just crazy rain thousands of people flares smoke bombs like one guy had a train horn winding it up (laughs) air horns everywhere is like the most incredible thing couldn't even hear myself think it was that loud but i was like this is where i need to be this is me this is me right here and uh yeah anyway i got a pretty shit start like spun a little bit so i come through from outside the top 30 and uh i rode up to i think 13th that first race so that wasn't too bad um, Do you know what, like, your lap times were compared to people? Uh, I don't think they were really that flash because the top guys would have a few clear laps where they'd yeah. sort of sprint away. But, like, as it got really rough and everything, my lap times would start getting really good towards the end. Yeah. Um, and sort of be close to them guys. I had one moment where I passed Hurlings back. Yeah, was I remember cool. that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he went past me. Um... He go he went past me down a straight yeah, fucking straight line so it shows how fast the bike was and uh, I was like sick hurlings I was <laughs> like nah I'm gonna pass him back so I rode around the outside of him standing up <laughs> like, cool get to the next corner around so it was like to go around a inside hump and I'd just passed the Dutch hero yeah. so the crowd was going insane because it was right in front of them <laughs> and obviously it was in the Netherlands and then there's this lapper just bogged in the middle of the oh. track. And I just skid in, just like hit the lapper. I didn't crash, but he passed me back. And I was like, you're kidding. And uh, another, my other favorite pass, it was the same corner. And Calvin Vlaanderen passed me. Yeah. So he's Dutch as well. Yeah. So the home crowd I passed him I made it stick I made him look stupid (laughs) and they went stupid at me it was so good and uh yeah that was probably one of the coolest parts of it but anyway we went to the second moto and the same sort of deal I slid off the start and didn't get the greatest start um come from again like 28th or something like that and then I rode up to about 12th and I was trucking I was like sick. There's Paul in front of me. I'm catching him three or four seconds a lap. Like them sort of level guys, proper heavy hitters. And I was like, I'm riding up to nearly top five here. Because <laughs> so, we, we still had 15 minutes or 20 minutes left of the moto. And I was just feeling myself in that moto. I was so happy. Like didn't even care about on the mud. Couldn't even see. <sighs> and uh, it was my first ever time riding with moose tires as well. And I didn't like them. So there's a few things I would have changed but anyway i was catching them dudes like three or four seconds a that, which was sick and i just had people cheering me like they had no idea who i was but like who is this fluoro looking kid coming through the pack <laughs> and then my bike stopped just yeah just couldn't handle it. Cooked it, was, it yeah just cooked it it was a it was a stock 450 with a pipe you did a time act, just used a 450. Yeah. I did it on a stock bike, so it's a bit more acceptable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I remember just throwing my hands up in the air like, you're kidding me. I just wanted to finish this weekend. Um, but yeah, I pushed my bike off the track and I reckon I was shitty about it for about five steps. And then I looked up and people were like, yeah, Duffy. Like really? yelling at me. And I was like, Sick walk the next kilometer to the pits wouldn't let anyone take my bike i was just so happy just pushing my bike like, this is the best day of my life and i was stoked i was so stoked did not care that bike had blown up i was just like that was amazing these people are that cool i never want to leave this place all them thoughts going through my head but yeah i was happy pushing a blown up bike
1: through the pits that's so sick man yeah i mean crazy experience like there's not that many 16 year old kids that have raced a 450 at motocross nations no. like, i don't even know if there's anyone that's 16 <laughs> no, that would be gosh, europeans are next level mate but in the 450 class oh uh, who knows but i mean either way like it's super impressive yeah what, what did you what was it like um being around hurlings for that moto like did he check out from you pretty quick or oh yeah when i hit that guy oh yeah, yeah. So. so you lost him i lost start with him pretty quickly yeah but what, was what, gone. what did you think about the like his speed and his level like could you because it's always like you're stuck in australia like you're racing in australia there's a certain speed level mm. right and i mean i've watched so many people like billy mckenzie remember when billy mckenzie come over mm. at the time was like one of the fastest speed wise in the gps Come to Australia, smoked everyone for a few rounds, and then slowly it's like he comes back to the level mm. because you're just not seeing that speed. I mean, even Ando on the podcast was saying like he wouldn't ride with Marvin because it would show him yeah, the speed. I heard that, yeah. So it's like, could you see a different level of speed and be like, oh, fuck, I could actually do that?
0: Yeah, nothing that anyone was doing there was anything that I thought I couldn't do. Really? And honestly, it was the comfort level that I seen a difference with hurlings and everything. They were so comfy on their bike. Obviously, they ride the thing all year. They're so familiar with that surroundings. I was like a late sort of thing because Todd or someone pulled out and I was riding with Ferris's suspension, which was dog shit. Yeah, he runs a whack suspension setup, oh, eh? I don't know what it was. I just hated it at the time. Uh, yeah, he just
1: runs a very different
0: setup to other people. Yeah, so i had that i'd never ridden with moose tubes before so i felt like my tire was rolling off the rim um and then bike was stocked with a pipe like nothing nothing was set up how i would have liked it but yeah i felt like if i was comfy like i'm good in the mud i knew i could have rode a lot better there like i was a top 10 guy easy but yeah it was just just a bit rushed and that's fine so i'll be back
1: 16. Four fifty, sixteen. 16 you got plenty of time yeah i'll be sweet so there were teams that were sort of coming knocking after that so what what was the conversations that started happening like i had fucking team managers in america calling me about yeah (laughs) like uh, it was it was gnarly so like what what was the fallout from it i guess
0: well there was sort of just there was like sort of chatter a little bit like a few people would say to me oh this guy wants to talk to you blah 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 but a lot of it didn't Actually happened until maybe after, like they'd send an email or something. But for the day, um, the owner of the HRC team, he sent someone to come get me, and I was like getting ungeared and stuff. And this guy comes over and he's like, "Hey, um, garibaldi he wants to talk to you in the HRC truck." And I was like, "Fuck, <laughs> that's pretty cool." Yeah. Like, Is this actually happening? And then anyway, I got a bit cleaned up and I walked over there and uh, yeah, met with the um, he's going to kill me if he hears this if I do mind like the English guy um, who works with Garibaldi in the HRC team yeah I'm not it's sure Wayne something I think anyway he's there and Giacomo the owner of the team is there and they're just sitting at this table so like the HRC truck for anyone who doesn't know is the sickest truck it's like mm. it's like a full restaurant in one part of it It so says like actual restaurant tables and they're just sitting at a restaurant table and then <laughs> yeah they're hey Regan come take a seat anyway shake their hands whatever um talk to him. Like, you know we've seen you did really well today we've seen a lot of potential and whatnot um what's your plans for next year all that sort of general talk and then yeah so we just sort of talked about that stuff and um I had pretty much had the opportunity to go ride for 114 Oh, um, yeah, which the, is the satellite Honda one, right? Yeah, so, a lot or, yeah, yeah. so it's it's under those guys. Like they still run it, but it's sort of just Livia's name, I suppose. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I could have done that, which was pretty cool. Uh, but, yeah, I just didn't think I was ready just yet. Um, so that's why I went against it. But I still keep in contact with those guys now. Like they're really cool. They still speak to me. So that's super nice of those. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, so from there, everyone in Europe sort of just kept a bit of an eye on me, what I was doing. Um, I had a couple other teams there, but nothing really crazy. And then FNH Kawasaki was really close. So basically, two weeks after my accident, I was meant to fly to Europe. Really? Mm. So I was like one or two days away from signing the contract with fnh to go ride on jed's team yeah right in the 250 spot yeah so that's how close that got but as we all know i had my accident so i didn't get to go but yeah so for everyone telling me get out of australia get out of australia i was going to yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: so what 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 did you feel that you weren't ready like what were the factors in that decision i think just experience
0: at that level Mm. which I know you have to go there to get that experience at that level but I I wasn't anywhere near that I was still an under-19s racer Mm. I felt I'd watched people from Australia make the mistake before me Mm. and go too early and then that's all she wrote so uh, yeah my dad really didn't want me to go that early which unfortunately didn't because I don't think I was ready now that I look back at it at the time I would have told you yeah I'm ready like let's go But even for just the living side of things and yeah all that um money like i had no perception of money or anything like that i was still just a kid yeah i'm still a kid now but uh i know a little bit more but um yeah i think i just needed that year in australia and then obviously 2020 we didn't even get to race so that was a bummer and I don't think they got to race a whole lot over there either so it wasn't too bad yeah and then 21 I did my first year here in the 450s I did really well and that's when I thought all right it's time and that's when I was gonna go that's when I had the crash yeah so that's where we're at now we're just at a a rebuilding point of my career and just yeah trying to come back up and work on anything i need to work on and try get back to where i was if not better yeah I, I need to be better yeah i'm gonna try
1: to be better than i was so well yeah. we were saying before like when you have that time off you have that time away you get a chance to just like analyze everything and yeah you know you kind of a lot of times kind of if physically if you can physically get back uh, you, if you can physically get back then mentally, you know, you can be so much better and you've got all this time to analyze and and break down everything that you've ever done. Because there's not that many opportunities when you get into your career and it's just year after year after year after year that you kind of get to step back and like look at the whole picture.
0: Yeah, that's it. We were speaking about it just before we started the podcast is uh, a lot of the time and other writers would be able to, you know, recognize this as well. When you do have an injury, you are able to step back and you can think about every little thing you do you study it and analyze it and i could be better here i could be better there or i am already good there and a lot of that stuff because motocross is so mental Mm. and that gets overlooked massively motocross is a mental sport as much as it is physical so when you come back and you're set in your mind and you know exactly what you got to do it makes it a lot easier to go fast and that's why a lot of people do go better after an injury Mm. what I think.
1: what do you think uh, makes motocross more mental
0: it's like doing the most physically demanding thing that you can do in the world but trying to stay completely placid and clear in your mind mm. going at you know 80 to 100 k's an hour and being able to put your wheel in a 4 inch wide spot at that speed uh, yeah lap after lap for the whole duration of the moto you get drained when you do these motos like your body gets tired your mind starts to get tired you get sloppy you your technique goes out the window but you got to be able to just readjust and just do not listen to your body through that thing body's fine just keep hitting your marks so it's just super tough like that and i don't think anyone really looks at it in that perspective at all like you're hitting such precise marks every lap and the thing is with motocross the track's changing every mm. single lap you can hit one line that's absolutely perfect and you're like okay next lap i'm gonna hit that cranked yeah you get to the next lap it's gone that line has disappeared it's dirt it does not stay the same it's not a uh, it's not a tarmac sport like f1 or um gp like i know it changes with their tires and stuff but The actual track itself doesn't change whereas Mm. motocross bumps build ruts build all these different things so the reaction time for a motocross rider actually has to be super fast to see these new things coming at them and to be able to know exactly what to
1: do in that situation yeah man it's it's crazy so after like i started riding a bunch before Manji last year and then when i got home i was just i was getting fitter like i wish Two, I wish I had like two more months for mm. Manji because like a few months after Manji, I, I was I was riding really good and I got a lot fitter and I started doing thirties yep. and I've never done a thirty before in my entire life. And I just as an average rider, it's just like I am never gonna you never really think to do like a thirty minute moto, you know. Mm. But I got like the Mylap Pro thing on my handlebars and I was like, fuck, I am gonna start busting out some thirties. <laughs> I couldn't believe how mentally fucked I was. Oh. Like physically, I got through a, okay like mm. i got tired but it was just my brain i was just like zap dude and then I, i'd come in and bro i'm riding at fucking qmp like it's not like it was <laughs> gnarly rough and the speeds aren't crazy but that was one thing that i took away as a guy that i've been around the sport my whole life but i've just to never do like a gnarly 30 and i think i did like a 30 and then a 25 and uh yeah mentally fried mm. Yeah, and like you say, QMP
0: is not a track that's super rough or gnarly, but not at all. <laughs> it it doesn't matter. You still sometimes how repetitive it is can yeah. get to you as much as if it is super tough and you know rough track. Sometimes you just get lazy mm. and you just go, oh, "It's gonna be the same thing." You don't really notice it, but that's when you can make mistakes when when it is too easy. Yeah, like boring almost. Yeah, boring. So that's you've always got to be switched on in motocross. That's why I think it is just as mental as it is physical.
1: And, and so how do you, like, how do you train the mental side of it? Is it just over and over, just like repetition? Mm. You just figure out how to get through it? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's reps. But uh,
0: the mental side of things has definitely helped with the physical side being good. Mm. Like if you're strong and you're training good and whatever like i get to the end of a 30 sometimes and i'm like is that all really yeah 100 percent i did a 48 minute moto at 110 percent one time at home and i was like damn it i ran out of fuel <laughs> i wanted to keep going but you just get to that point where you're so strong you just you love it you just want to keep going and the mental loves it as well yeah it just yeah it's what you're meant to be doing this is what you were made for
1: so it just becomes easy Dude, that's pretty sick that you physically got into that kind of shape. Because there's a, it's sort of a shame in motocross, I think, because physically, I don't think that you hit your prime until you're in your 30s. Mm. Like for me, oh, my body's changed so much from like 25 to 33 just it got so much not that i'm a big, big dude up. now but i'm like ai was like ronan you know like just skinny no matter what you did you couldn't put on weight sorry ronan yeah, so sorry, sorry bro <laughs> this is you're in weed <laughs> but i was like exactly the same you know yeah. and i could do weights and shit and it just didn't really matter yeah. and then i got to like i don't know 28 29 i started doing jujitsu and just like I haven't done any weights and my whole body just got thicker All everything all of it regan really? <laughs> <laughs> longer thicker <laughs> uh, but the, in motocross a lot of riders don't actually make it into their like physical prime you know because they kind of mm. retire in like mid mid-20s before uh you really start to get that and you see it a lot in like ufc fighters and stuff like that yeah a lot of ufc fighters don't even take their 20s that seriously unless you're like a freak like john jones or whatever you know but and like you see like mcgregor now like how much fucking bigger he's beefy. Ma- yeah bro yeah. it's because he's like getting into his 30s yeah wow so it's like for you to get into that sort of shape as a young dude mm. it's like it's only gonna get better and better yeah i hope so but yeah like you said motocross is uh
0: you retire real early in motocross because it is such a brutal sport so mm. If you can be someone that's smart and stay injury free, what was Carolli? Thirty-eight or
1: thirty-six? Was he that old? How old's Carolly? Look,
0: look at that. And up, Chad Reed was like thirty-six. <laughs> <laughs> he had to have been, you know, yeah. mid to late thirties. as well, well, you look
1: at like Tim Ferry, how fit he was at the end of his career. He yeah. was, he was in his thirties. Mike LaRocco like you just get these old boys that can just like they're so used to yeah mike brown mm. they had uh, john dowd mm. you know you get like the older guys they were just straight diesels you know mm. like they just could run down travis younger. was like 22 yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> who was i thinking of um oh fuck i just had something i was gonna say and completely fucking forgot about it that's all right uh, i'll think of it later um how old's caroli 36 36 old boy Mm. yeah there there must just be like a real muscle memory too that that happens to where like you just so in the grind with it yeah and that's where i touched on
0: earlier with the saying that the good technique is going to be like the new wave of Mm. the future yeah caroli picture perfect 36 years old run with the
1: best in the world that's where it is yeah how much are you are you thinking about technique a lot when you ride these days yeah even more so now
0: I think, um, that I've just started coming back Yeah. because, uh, I said to you in the car, like I was struggling with even my looking ahead. Yeah. I was going back to that bad habit of looking down at the front mud guard and although I'm not going super fast, I'm just trying to remind myself and get back in those, the rituals of good technique over and over the reps, you know, Mm. just getting that thing back. So I'm probably thinking about it more so now because it was so
1: natural to me like the point i got to before my injury mm. so what are like the things that you said before like stay on your toes and then unlock the hips like do you have any other just like general checkpoints that you're sort of trying to think of when you're uh, riding like knees back yeah so for example when you're breaking um when
0: people break and they bring their knees forward that's just putting extra weight towards the front wheel and that's when they're getting head shake and the back's kicking around whereas if you're braking with your body right over the back and the knees back as well it's just extra weight behind the pegs and that's ultimately what you're trying to do is sort of get the weight behind the pegs because the i feel the shock is a lot more predictable than the forks Mm. the shock is just up and down up and down the forks They've got, I've got, the got turning effect as well. Yeah, yeah. Huh, so, never thought of that. Mm, as much as they go up and down like the shock does, there's the turning. Yeah. So they're a lot harder to predict than the shock. So I I guess like oh, I've never even looked at it in it that way until I just said that. Dude, it makes so much sense. Just come out of my mouth. But uh <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's probably why we do it and why it works. Yeah. Mm, but uh I've always been uh, a very correct rider you know just index fingers on clutch and front brake things like that so you've got full grip on your bars um rather you see some people like but you know hurlings uses just his middle fingers
1: yeah just used to do that yeah
0: it just depends what you get used to but i think the correct way would probably be the index fingers and then you know elbows up things like that just to have that strong sort of form with your braking and yeah there's there's lots of different things that can make a massive difference but they're only small things
1: when you think about it yeah have you do you guys do much filming of writing
0: no we don't actually
1: yeah see I think that that's like for me with all my shit like that was actually one of the best things about Bali man my gym here no one really like films their roles and shit like mm. you sort of just like do your thing yeah. and then you leave but over there everyone just films so I was just like oh fuck I'm just gonna film all my shit and I've got so much footage of me training and I was like I could see so much shit Mm. like I'm a lot more high level at that than I am at motocross so it's like a different kind of deal but that I'm like wow I didn't know that I did that I've never seen myself do that that was crazy I can't like I never knew that I did that sort of stuff then you make mistakes and you're like oh man I definitely would have been easy for me if I just did this so but no one really does that in motocross and I know that for me like if I if I had someone film me come through like a turn or whatever, I'm like, oh, my head's like back and yeah. up high. Like the next time I can, it's like instant changes because there's, there's an old saying in golf that feel isn't real. So what you feel like you're doing is not what you're actually doing. Yeah. A lot well, of the f- time. That is me in golf. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> I'm like,
0: hole in one,
1: four. <laughs> so, uh, but, but yeah, like the, the, uh, the filming aspect of it, it just doesn't seem like that many people film in Modo.
0: Nah, but I'm pretty sure Stuart's mum filmed every lap of every practice session he ever did.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think that's probably, like, something that people will start... Do it, or maybe, like, should mm. start doing it. Yeah, I think so. Because you look at, like, the NFL and shit, man. They literally have dedicated film crews. Yeah, All that, that film, like, drones of all their... Like, even the NRL started doing that, actually. Mm. Like, drone footage of... Um, the like top down stuff so they can watch every play they're analyzing every race on film like you know there's for all your races like realistically if you should have someone that's just filming you with like a long zoom fucking yeah. cam the entire time so it's like you can just see everything that you did and then if you had that you could like you know look against your lap times and you know there'd be so i feel like there's just so many ways that you could kind of get better at at writing that yeah that people just don't even really do I feel like it almost comes down to a money aspect in yeah. Australia
0: though yeah probably overseas as well but for me like I can't afford to yeah you'd have to pay I, someone yeah to I can't to afford yeah. to pay a film when come film every one of my practice sessions I can't afford to buy them a camera like yeah if we were a bigger sport like we should be then maybe maybe we would be able to do that but that's something that uh, in the future I would say it's going to be it'll something go that, that comes way in, eh? like teams will eventually uh provide a filmer for their riders things like that that could be the way of the future for all we know so yeah it could be something to look into for sure
1: so what about i guess like the scene in wa right now because i mean fuck dude we went over there last year for Manji. that was one of the coolest weeks of my life by the way <laughs> and it's crazy man like i was sick i had a massive one in the first moto i was hung over and like driving out of there staring at four days on, to get back to gold coast i was like fuck i can't wait for next year <laughs> which i did not think that would be the case yeah but man like we had 130 riders show up to our ride day at bunbury everywhere we went there was bikes on the back of cars and utes and like mm. the place just seems like it's pumping with moto mm. is that a kind of fairly accurate statement the wa moto is like pretty much killing it at the moment yeah the scene's strong over there we all just love it like mm. no one
0: i think the best thing about wa is probably the thing that it isn't as professional as the east coast mm. because there's so much more fun involved with it whereas yeah. over here there's so many dudes that are like oh, i'm professional like i can't do that um have got to be so serious at this practice day whereas back home we're like wow, this is sick let's get a me after this (laughs) yeah like it's just fun in wa and the tracks are good um i said to ronan in the car when he picked me up from the airport like you need to do a gypsy tales winter tour like you would be blown away with the tracks we have over there i've got like a hundred thousand acres across the road of bush i ride out my front gate just go wherever i want like I, I could ride to darwin if i wanted to <laughs> <laughs> <That's> so, so. <laughs> yeah so there's just there's stuff everywhere and in, in winter wa comes alive like what why is that just the just the like dirt it's, the so dry. it's so dry there in summer and um especially where i am like north of perth it's quite sandy so that's where the winter's really good there but yeah we we head out into the dunes like next to the beach and we People build pallet jumps and stuff and we just get turned off them things and then you go down south in winter and it's just loamy clay and it's unreal and everyone in wa is like stoked to have people come ride with them because over here it's like secret squirrels yeah true eh? we love it in wa it's like the bigger the crew the better like just it's it's gonna be a sick time if people all come so that's what i love about wa is like the camaraderie between everyone there's not too many people there that are want to do their own thing or yeah. you know hate on anyone else we all sort of just
1: we just respect each other so that's why i love it there and what is it that because you're pretty much like the hurlings of australia really <laughs> fucking no nah, se- seriously like, i'll claim it for you nah, well you think about it in this term not even that you're good you that grew up in the sand no one can touch you in the sand and then you've had to come over and learn like the hard pack stuff and then you've ended up figuring that shit out and you're one of the best dudes now so it's like, what do you think that it is? I'm just, I just said that just for the YouTube thumbnail, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you, what do you think it is about growing up? Cause there's a history of guys that grew up in WA that mm. would become, you know, like Leeski. I spoke of... to Jeff about this very situation. So what do you think?
0: Riders that come from a sand background get better at hard pack a lot quicker than hard pack rider background getting better at sand I agree 100% I
1: squarely fit in that category yeah
0: so when you come from a sand background you really have to be technically savvy on the bike the bike is always moving underneath you the track is changing 100% more than hard pack tracks do Um, everything about the sand sort of background is just tougher gnarlier harder so when we come over here and we can hit the same rut that doesn't move for, like, 20 times. Once we figure it out, that is, because we suck ass at the start. Yeah. But, um, yeah, once we figure that out, like, oh, this is easy. This is just... It's the same thing every time. I'll just keep doing the same thing.
1: And then so, the bikes doesn't feel as heavy, I'm sure. Yeah,
0: so... Uh, I just feel with sand, it's so ever-changing, and it's just so taxing on your body. It's just easier to transition to hard pack than if you were to grow up on hard pack and then try go ride sand, you'd be like, what is this stuff? Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a really good spot to come from, especially for someone that might want to go overseas and Europe's got so much sand. So it's really good for that.
1: Yeah. I guess, have you been to Europe to ride other than nations? No, nah, unfortunately not. Fuck. You should almost just go. <laughs> I'd and love just, to do a trip. Like once you, once you're back to like a hundred percent strength mm. wise, just go and just get a fucking 450 and just go hang out at Lommel and just ride, like, all the track days. <laughs> like, you'd, you'd become, like, the local hero in a, yeah, <laughs> in a fucking week. And
0: probably get smoked by 125 around
1: there. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you hear some crazy stories about that, joint. Yeah, you know?
0: real uh, wild stories. Like, Kyder Wolf beating Cold Enough and stuff on a 125, I heard one time. Oh, yeah, I
1: like, bet. It's like, how does that even happen? But it puts you in good stead to go over and do that shit you know because like mm. you, you wouldn't have to i just don't know like that it'd be that crazy of an adjustment for you on the sand because that's where they're doing so much testing yeah. like the winter grind mm. happens on those sand tracks like you would have such a massive head start over like the average aussie that doesn't come from wa well yeah you hear a lot
0: of people that have gone over there and it's been like a really hard transition to ride their sand and as much as I've heard that their sand is different... In <sighs> WA UA, is gnarly, bro. Like WA in winter is as heavy as it gets. So I do know it's going to be different. It gets ruddy over there, which it doesn't really in WA. But if you can ride sand, you can ride sand. Like I feel it's the same sort of style no matter what, if there's a couple of ruts and stuff flowing in, uh, thrown in there. Yeah, I feel like you'd be able to figure it out a lot quicker than, like you said the average sort of person coming through
1: yeah there was a lot of ruts at Manji last year was that normal
0: yeah I, Manji was pretty shit last year There, yeah, the track normally was. it's like even sandier they brought in a heap of kite really mm, like for your first time you wouldn't have known but nah, i didn't know any different normally it's much sandier than that normally the only hard pack bit is when you go the first tabletop up rock and roll hill yeah and then you go all the that way up, right. down, bowl turn, up the hill. Yeah. And then that drop off down to where it turns sand. Yeah. That's that's where it strictly stays hard pack. But there was a few other spots. That second last turn was hard. Normally that's all whooped out. Mm. So I don't really know what they're doing there. Hopefully they stop doing that. I
1: love it when it's sandy. You like it more when it's sandy. Yeah. But even that section... Um, where you had like that weird kind of step up, and then you got the left, and then you go left again, and then the tabletop. Like it was just yeah, rutt- that tabletop. It was, was yeah, rutter, dude. That's like one of the coolest photos. <laughs> that is the coolest photo I've got of me riding. It's like just straight <laughs> yeah. line. Like there's all those those yeah. ruts there. Nah, every year that is rut, 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 rut the yeah. whole way across. So that was pretty sick. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly when you're going up to it. Oh, dude, yeah, especially <laughs> as fast as I was going. <laughs> <laughs> Warp speed. Oh, yeah, just fucking sending it. Uh, I'm so pumped to go back there, eh? Yeah, like, that was honestly... I wish more people would go from the, the East Coast. Yeah. Like, that was kind of, like, our goal with that whole trip was to try mm. and inspire people to do it. I mean, it's a fucking big drive. Yeah. But, I mean, you guys, you guys are used to doing it, to come over here. Yeah, that's it, but
0: I don't know. I'd love to see... A bunch of people over here get together and you know all pay for a 40 foot c container mm. just put your bikes in it get it over there and bike quicksade toolbox gatorade yeah, bang yeah. fly in hire a few vans and like i said wa helps out like if you need stuff done yeah wa people they'll chuck a bike in they'll they'll bring you toolboxes it's no stress if we could get WA uh east coast people to wa WA people would be frothing we'd yeah. do whatever we could to help out so yeah if anyone wants to come to Mandarin, let us know
1: <laughs> yeah dude and that was the vibe that I got there man like everyone was so sick like yeah I mean I had like people come and help me with my bike and we always had people rolling through our pits like yeah everyone was just so rad that entire trip
0: yeah I feel I don't know I've never been to America but do they say like that Washougal sort of area is it what would you call that i have no idea
1: where that is in like america. the pacific northwest they call yeah that. are yeah. they
0: like pretty laid back people
1: like they just sort Man, of send it everyone in america is kind of like that like oh, really? california is kind of different yeah okay. but i mean like pretty much ever outside of that america's got some of the nicest people really yeah dude yeah, like right. when it comes to yeah you know you ever had like southern hospitality yeah. yeah when people say that that's yep. definitely a real thing really like when you get through like alabama louisiana atlanta florida like like georgia yeah everyone just southern hospitality like Mm. they're just so so cool like oklahoma even though that's not southern but i mean yeah a lot of people there especially if you're an australian man like people are just so fucking pumped
0: Mm. i'd love to go there one of my good mates back home joe we've been talking about we need to go to america this year just go there for three weeks and just ride all the tracks there you should dude yeah I've never been I'd love to
1: you should 100% like once you get to a level where like you're just riding because I think is that the like well I guess what's the plan then for for this year to build back up like are you gonna try and enjoy a year Mm. like obviously put in the work but like enjoy kind of motorcycling because I mean yeah I guess there's a couple ways you go about it like I guess it just depends on your body, but do you just go straight back into the grind and try and get back to where you were or do you try and take it a little bit slow, get your body back and just enjoy riding while you're getting your body back? Or
0: Yeah, I'm sort of just listening to my body at the moment. Um, if I could, I'd get straight back into it and I would have raced one taggy last mm. weekend, but I can't. So yeah, I'm just going to, as much as I'm going to work hard this year and get back the best I can, I want to really enjoy my riding and I want to do different things I love trail riding, I love free riding, I love doing whips, I love messing around like you know just doing stoppies and wheelies and stuff like that, love pit bikes so I think this year I'm really going to focus on just having fun on my dirt bike
1: Mm. as much as I'm going to train hard and try and get back as quick as I can yeah and have you started talking with like teams and shit like I guess probably can't even talk about it but like that that whole things in the works of like where you're gonna be next year and all that sort of stuff
0: yeah, there's, there's teams that are sort of talking to me, but can't really say anything. Yeah, yeah that's fair. a very stupid yeah.
1: question. <laughs> nah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you always forget, eh? could get lucky and i slip up and say something. Ah, I just um. always forget that there's <laughs> actually shit that you can't talk about. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, I think America would be cool if you get over yeah. there. Uh, I think it would be sick. And like I said, I love doing whips and I love big jumps. So, Dude, you know what you should go and do? What's that? Day in the Dirt. Mm, that'd be fun. It's like October, September, October... The end of the year yeah get a ktm langston will give you one and just go over there and just fucking send it for the weekend like it is the funnest weekend man yeah and you'll be on a sick track the industry will be there like toby went over and won it one year oh really yeah it was was, was, like good for his career too like it was a lot of people in the u.s like he made some relationships that he's still like super tight with now so i mean that might be a good thing i wish i wish guys would just do more different shit like yeah. especially in australia like no offense to anyone in australia but Australia's fucking not that great right now when it comes to motocross like they're trying to do the best they're building up the series and i'm not trying to be a hater i'm just sort of making the point that you can't just be here and expect that like you're gonna make a long career you're gonna like yeah this unfortunately it is what it is but what you can do is yeah you can go to europe and do something cool over there you can go to america mm. and do an event there like there's stuff that you can go and do it's a fuck around you don't have your factory bike factory bike and mm. you don't have this and you don't have that but you know we do it we just travel we go ride we have fun you make videos about it like yeah. i feel like there's a lot of cool shit that you can do on a motocross bike that can work around the aussie schedule and you can sort of help like elevate your career in yeah. that sense
0: i just feel um people that are at that level that they could possibly go to europe or could possibly go to america australia is always going to be here Mm. just go and have a go Mm. what's the worst that can happen you come back here you do your thing i think we probably need to start venturing out a little more Mm. like you say you know in the off season just go do one or two races or in the mid-season break one or two races it probably would be a good thing for us and probably for australia as a whole to have them to start looking towards australia a little bit for possible riders or yeah anything like that but at the same time it is hard so yeah but we can make it work
1: yeah like i, I yeah i definitely get it but like you know day in the dirt an event like that it's in hmm. you know the end of the year the racing's done i mean it's not that expensive to to get over there like use your contacts get a bike and yeah i don't know i just feel like it's uh it just doesn't seem like enough to just race in australia at the moment Mm. you know it just doesn't seem like there's enough kind of going on with this series yet
0: yeah it's it's just in a building process yeah i was gonna it is
1: it is in like a a building process Mm. though that being said though man like the level that like you and cloudy were riding at at Manji last year was pretty fucking gnarly like that was Mm. two dudes going really fast (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah, we were sort of checked out from
0: the other guys so uh, i think we uh We were definitely at a high level there. I feel like the way we were last year, Clout and I could have, yeah, definitely done well overseas. Just, you know, we're both in really good form, both had really good speed and, yeah, we both just didn't want to lose to each other. We just kept elevating each other one after another. So that was pretty sick. And to clear it up for anyone, (laughs) because let's say everyone, because no one really knows... Everyone thinks me and Luke don't like each other because the TV made up this bullshit story. Like, Who did the TV? Oh right, we, me and Luke were sitting on the back of the tailgate of the KDM truck, and they're going, "You need to say this, and you need to say this." And we just looked at each other and started laughing. We're like, "I'm not saying that." So anyway, we had to, we had to say it, and we're like saying, "Yeah, I'm gonna beat Luke Clout, and I'm gonna be the champion." We're like this is the stupidest shit. <laughs> but me and me and Luke are friends. Like. I went and chat to him for like half an hour after one taggy. Yeah. Just sat on the grass with him and talked shit. Like, he's a cool guy. I think Luke's just got a very, uh... He's got a resting bitch face. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, he's a bulldog looking character. (laughs) Yeah, he's just a gnarly dude. He just fucking... He just wants to win, like... That's why he's the champ. He's a bad motherfucker. So, that's, uh... That's that set up. But I just wanted to clear that up. Because that's one thing I get so many people ask me, like, oh that clout guy like he's a dick hey i'm like, no <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's fine well, no like he is a dick when it comes to oh, like racing you, and you have the, to be yeah he, to he's, an a, extent. he's a dick in the yeah. way that he has to be exactly but
0: i think he probably just takes it a little bit more serious than i do as i'm like bro down with everyone like got time for everyone's luke's very straight down the line with his sort of riding and stuff which obviously some people might get rubbed off the wrong way but that's his doing. he's making it work so good on him
1: yeah yeah no he's just a kid that just wants a bad man he's <laughs> yeah. always been like that too yeah like he's yeah. just always been that kid that's just like that gnarly little motherfucker like yeah. he's always had a lot of confidence in himself he's always had a lot of people around him that like telling him that that's you know that he should have that level of confidence and he's is been over a, the states is it a New South Wales thing? don't know yeah fuck we, we can't stand them <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's a New South Wales
0: thing those guys are just Gritty. Who are yeah. you putting in that category? Like mosses. Mosses. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's sort a of style thing. They're just like that bulldog character. Marmonts. Yeah, Marmonts. Exactly the same yeah. when you think about Jay it. Jay so. and
1: Ryan are so different though.
0: Oh, I know. Ryan. I haven't like, had a whole lot to do with Jay. Like he's alright, but Ryan. Ryan is a mad dog. Yeah. Shout out to Ryan. He helped me and my dad out before under nineteen. So twenty. Oh yeah. Seventeen. On oh, no, a, 2018 I was doing the rookie cup yeah so they had this 250 support class never met Ryan before and he just went off someone else's good word and we roll up to his workshop and he's like oh, I gotta go i right, have got shit on hands us the keys to his workshop like thousands of dollars worth of bikes in there like irreplaceable memorabilia like championship trophies yeah, yeah. it was crazy just hands us the keys and it was like why? Why are you that nice? Anyway, Ryan Marlon
1: is a good guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a legend. <laughs> yeah, he's big cool. time. We, uh, I like spent a bunch of time with him. Uh, obviously, through like the JDR days, mm. and uh, man, he was so impressive. Like, it's actually underrated when he went to America. Dude, he was hole shotting like heat races yeah, and main events. It's good start, huh? Yeah, I think he got. I think the best he got was seventh. Yeah. in a in a 250 main event yeah. i think it was the night that canard broke his back when he got landed on oh, by really? ryan morris i'm pretty sure it was that night shit. but yeah like dude he went over there he was a gritty little fucker man yeah like he just made shit happen yeah and uh he doesn't get enough credit for like the career that he had
0: <sighs> let's be honest though i think a few people australians don't get that credit because mm. reedy just overshadowed everything he just went there and was like beast mode like brett metcalf incredible rider dude and uh, he's still riding there yeah i know he was that good if mm. reed wasn't there he would be like yeah he was like the next, best. The next like, best aussie yeah yeah and no people don't even know jeff Lees because chad is just you know he's taken over which good on him he, he deserves it but people don't really know the whole backstory of things because chad really overshadowed the whole deal but
1: yeah, we've had some unbelievable riders. We need to get that level back too. But I wonder how we're going to go with that. I mean... Which level? Well, like well, we just had like... You had like Burner, Meddy, uh, McFarlane, then you had Chad, then you had the Marmonts then from then on mosses yeah kind of but just no one really made it work Mm. since then you know and it's like you look at it though that timing was probably when like our guys weren't really able to cut it over there anymore Mm. that was probably the time that the australian series started going downhill quite a lot yeah and then the uh the like baker's factory and the club mx and the mt like all of the facilities really started to take over yeah so it's like we almost went backwards while america really went forwards yeah so we had a massive gap for that massive gap man and then no supercross series in australia Mm -hmm. you know so we've always talent wise in terms of the riders themselves like we've got crazy ability here Yep. But it's almost like the infrastructure and like our series, and that is sort of what kind of stopped that progression of like the Australian riders mm. going. You know,
0: I think we're we're in a pretty good spot right now. We've got Mitch and Jed that are mm. unbelievable in Europe, and we've got a Jet and a Hunter yeah. in America. Like,
1: oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're back. We won't we won't forget that. Jeez. So, them <laughs> but I mean, them so but they had to leave. Like, yeah. At, eight at well what was jet 10 Mm. hunter like 13 so it's like they had to get out of dodge to you know go live in europe and just do this slog for years and years to kind of make it work you know like there's just not like in 08 07 08 it used to be if you won the championship in australia you pretty much got a ride in america mm. for a few years that's mm. kind of what it was like like ferris went over there yeah the mosses went over there ty simmons uh so it's like that there was a bit of a program that was running yeah. it. now it's just kind of done you know like unless you yeah go over there like Jed. when did jed go over when he was like 18 or something something like that yeah unless you do did that the, he did the AMX. So.
0: yeah i was on divvy one in 2008 <laughs> a divvy one don't yeah. look at him he's young as well he yeah. does think that's normal all the fucking kids <laughs> <laughs> you want a backstory on Jet that's pretty funny yeah in 2014 I raced Jet at the Aussie titles oh at Wanneroo no no oh. uh, 14 was Appen yeah in New South Wales and uh, I won the 85 class like my class and then I raced him in the 65s mm-hmm. or maybe I raced No, maybe I raced him in the 85s. Anyway, I raced him in one of them. And the first race... So, for some reason, they swapped the days. So, normally, they would run through all the classes, like, throughout the week. But they put the first three days, 85 small wheels and down. Mm. And they ran the whole thing through. So, our track got, like, no lines. It was just one the whole way around. So, the first moto, I hole-shotted. I won by 18 seconds. (laughs) second moto jet hole shots I finish with he beat me by half a wheel second moto same deal again could not pass him on this one line track he beat me by half a wheel and I was devastated anyway I'm like walking up the canteen to get some snakes or some shit I don't (laughs) know he goes oi and I look over i was like yeah what want an autograph
1: (laughs) 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 and I was like fuck you <laughs> oh that's so fucking funny
0: dude <laughs> oh, ever since then i've been like one day mate one day I'll but get you so much respect for him oh. He's bloody killing it at the moment he's it's, doing really well
1: it's pretty insane like the the level that those boys are operating mm. on right now eh? mm. really good and just like full rep in the aussie flag hard too like that's one yeah. thing that's one thing i loved i felt they felt like zero pressure to drop the aussie thing yeah like I, I think know. like chad and burner and that they kind of felt yeah. a little bit of pressure to mm-hmm. sort of like drop the aussie thing over there yeah
0: they're just proud these boys and that's really good i reckon that's what we need we need to be proud aussies so we're a badass country we should be proud of it and americans fucking love australians
1: too <laughs> you know it so seems that like, way yeah man oh dude that's Crazy when you you're mm. over there, like you know, what i'm saying yeah, you go all over the country, yeah, they're so nice, mm. especially if you're Australian. They just like want to hear about it. Oh, you guys got kangaroo? Like, <laughs> just, as cliche as it gets, but they just we love just, uh, Australia. Unfortunately, yes, we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we got heaps of the fucking bees. <laughs> <laughs> fucking kangaroos. But uh, yeah, you'd have heaps in WA too, or what? so many oh, people don't actually understand how many there are. No, they're pests. Mm.
0: We have like, like fucking two hundred in my backyard.
1: So you still you farming cattle or what?
0: Yeah, so that's a backstory. I'm like a third generation cattle farmer and then before that the family was dairy farmers, so yeah, and then I've sorta of just broke the chain a little bit and steered away from it, much to granddad's disgust. <laughs> but no, nah, he he passed when I was way younger. Yeah. But uh he would always be like, You sure you wanna to go to the racing today? Like, sure you don't want to come out to the farm i'm nah i'm going racing so dad still farms now and like i help him as much as i can when i'm home as much as he has to work to get me out there because i'm fucking sick of it <laughs> <laughs> just want to ride my dirt bike but yeah we uh we do that and that's sort of cattle farming is the reason that i've been able to race motocross up until you know the point where i got supported and sponsored yeah. so i hate on it too much it's the only reason i'm where i am today
1: so what sort of jobs did you have? Did, like what's the regan jobs on the farm oh rounding
0: up the cattle from the back paddocks and bringing them all in so i'm pretty good at mustering so <laughs> what's I'll... the weapon of choice crf 250 quad. yeah right. yeah oh, i get that thing buck wild <laughs> getting <laughs> oh, i get loose on that yeah i love it so i'm a bit of a quad god <laughs> but uh yeah i had a i tried to go to two wheels at one point and i had this cow chase me and i had to ride an XR 70 flat out at a fence and jump over the bars really because yeah, it was gonna run me down so i went back to the quads after that <laughs> so the good thing with the quads you can if two big bulls are, they start fighting the bulls and then they will not stop and you actually just have to like ghosty the quad into them to break them up (laughs) so that's one good thing about the quad you can't really ghosty an xr 70 at a bull but uh yeah so we do that and then um yeah just in the yards just 40 degree days dust no water down like can't even breathe i'll just come back black of dust and yeah moving bulls out from cows and you know marking calves and all the different things but yeah full farmer that's pretty sick yeah i hate work boots though so. oh what, what do you run like air maxes <laughs> <laughs> air, air, air oh the, my the, dad
1: hates it get some work boots i'm like no fuck mate i love my blundies yeah i got a pair of blundstones that are just the most comfortable boots. as soon mm. as it hits winter here and it's not like too fucking mm. odd to wear blundies all day i long
0: honestly day. think though i've never worn them because i've just never wanted to admit i'm a farmer yeah probably I've always been like, I'm a motocross racer that has to go farming so I've like, yeah. had this thing in my head subconsciously that like I don't wear boots I don't wear boots I wear sneakers <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> but uh yeah no, it's, it's good I enjoy it there's there's been some times where I'm like yeah I could, I could definitely do this when I'm done like I love it but uh, I think I love it in winter and then just hate it in summer because it's so dry back home it gets so hot eh mm, but it's really nice in winter yeah but yeah we're sort of sort of downsizing at the moment just once i go overseas dad wants to just follow around and buy a motorhome and watch me so yeah that's sort of how it's going at the moment but yeah we've just got some cows and stuff at home as like a little bit of a hobby farm live on 250 acres so yeah yeah that's not too bad i don't mind it when it's small scale like that but yeah yeah we've had up to like 1,600 head of cattle and it's it's a lot of work it's a lot of work and they just love wrecking shit <laughs> it'll be like a 40 degree day and you're struggling with the water because they drink so much and one cow's like oh, I'm gonna chew the float and fuck everything up now and then they break the water and then you know, oh we have some stressful days really stressful days just ruining fences and all that oh, sort of shit oh yeah
1: they just love it but like, it's a part of it does uh is like bull riding big over there? Oh, yeah,
0: like, sort of out in the wheat belt and stuff, I think, so. Yeah, Uh, right. Like, Dad has friends that do bull riding and stuff, but, like I say, I've always refused to be a farmer. So, (laughs) I've been a farmer without being a farmer. I'm like, I want to get back down to where my dirt bike is and my friends from school. I don't really want to stay out here.
1: So, how far is the farm away from where you lived? Um, Did you, like, live on the farm? So,
0: until probably uh three years ago now it was about an hour hour and 10 but now we live a little bit closer and it's 45 50 minutes oh so you'd have to drive there every day Mm. yeah and through covid and stuff when i wasn't racing that was me every single day had to go out and check all the waters check everything all the fences all the cows so every morning get up early go to
1: work which it's a pretty good deal really but it would make you appreciate the life you have as a motocross oh, rider eh?
0: dude so much yeah now I wake up in the morning and it's my job is to pack my bike and gear in my van and go ride at a sick track with my mates all day
1: yeah so this year though like so you don't have a contract for this year right no. so you're not getting paid right now to ride motors no
0: i've still kept um oakley and they said to me they've just matched my contract from last year that's they're, so yeah, sick unbelievable they said you know even if you don't ride we want to support you no matter what which is sick um knobby underwear stuck by me which is awesome um berry sweet strawberry farms and yep. leanne they're like one of my biggest sponsors and
1: an early sponsor of mine man that's such an underrated family in motocross like they've oh, supported so many so people many for so people. long and, eh? like big dude like
0: they've really helped a lot of people um yeah shout out to them they've helped a lot of people even you know toddy was yeah. with them for years yeah. jay wilson jayden yep. rikers like you know they've probably had a very sweet sponsorship but they just love the sport and they love helping out um and especially he would die for this sport like
1: he's just he's so cool dude oh man i actually feel fucking so bad i uh i i never met him right Mm. and then we had uh we pulled up to Manji last year and uh i've always like wanted to meet him and i just to literally say like thanks for supporting the sport like you're fucking g anyway he uh we drove in we were late for practice like we were just about to start and then he's like seeing the van he's like jumped in front of the van I didn't know who it was (laughs) and I've just been like the rudest cunt and I'm like mate we gotta go like and I was saying fuck we gotta go we gotta go cause I was like tripping I wanted to ride practice cause you only get a few laps there I was like fuck Sam we gotta go Sam did not care about riding practice at all like <laughs> and I was like tripping anyway then I found out that it was Ant from fucking Berry Sweet and I was like oh such a dickhead and then I didn't get to see him all weekend so anyway yeah. this week this year I'm gonna try and say g'day. Yeah, no. cause he's just such a legend eh from everything that I've ever heard yeah. he's just such a legend uh, he loves his podcast too so he'll be listening oh really yeah, yeah well sorry mate I'll see you this year
0: <laughs> but yeah it's, it's a pretty cool setup there too cause um his son kyle who's a year older than me he's like one of my best mates so me and kyle just hang out and do shit all the time so i'm always around them um go down to their place they've got a house on the water so we go fishing and hang out so as much as they're a sponsor of mine they're just like i'd run very sweet on my helmet no matter what even if they didn't sponsor me so they're just they're just awesome so yeah big shout out to them And then, uh, yeah, Lusty's still helping me out. They're sending me gear and stuff, which is awesome. And, yeah, a lot of my sponsors have stayed on board. The only one I've lost is probably KTM, which is obviously because I'm not racing. They they can't afford to just, which, you know, it's understandable. So we'll try to get some help.
1: So you're basically, for this year, though, you're kind of like living still like you're a factory dude and you're just trying to get back to it, even though yeah. you, you don't have factory dude without bikes. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but so you're like, that's the plan. Is like you're just still same mentality. Regan still the racer dude. Every day mm. is grinding, trying to get back to yeah, back to where you're at. To an extent, like.
0: So I told you before, Ross lent me this bike to ride for the couple of weeks, and I go to the shop and I'm like, right, I'm not going to run Ross's bike into the ground. So I'll I'll buy some chains, sprocket, everything, keep it going, grips, keep it fresh. 500 bucks and that's i knew the people there they gave me a discount of my like, yeah. respect for privateers yeah you, welcome <laughs> you guys are unbelievable how you do it is beyond me like wow it hurt me to pay for that <laughs> 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 uh, for someone who's not making any money at the moment like i was like fuck uh, that's expensive
1: oh uh, yeah even uh, f- dude even like just for us to go ride like i spend probably 120 bucks a week on riding and i'm just fucking no one riding qmp once it's just like <laughs> jesus dude by the time you put fuel in the car put fuel on the bike do whatever maintenance you got to do mm-hmm. pay for your fucking qmp oh, deal yeah. you just yeah 150 bucks every week crazy hey it's like 600 bucks a month on riding once a week the things we do for the things we love yeah exactly hey, things we do for love mm-hmm. so uh what so we'll we'll get close to wrapping up here mate Mm -hmm. what do you reckon 2023 Regan Duffy back on the start line yeah kicking ass again
0: hopefully that's the plan um if all goes well and everything goes to plan in my head I would love to be back on the line in 2023 and uh I will probably be staying in Australia I feel like I need to just start here again before I was to go overseas you know I could get fast again but i don't really want to delve straight into an overseas ride or something and yeah you know just be out of my depth there so i would ideally i want to race here in 2023 again do really well and then progress from there um as for this year 2022 i'm just taking it as it comes i have no idea where i'll end up at um i'm riding again at the moment i'm stoked i'm having fun i'm going fast for three or four corners before i'm tired which is <laughs> sick <laughs> and uh yeah i'm just having a good time for this year so yeah i'm stoked
1: well mate i'm pretty fucking glad you're alive thanks Chase. don't go dying again i won't and uh yeah best of luck man you know uh everyone here's got you back and uh everyone, like honestly just everyone in australia wants to see you back it's uh even you know competitors sponsors industry fans, mm. everyone so yeah no i really appreciate that and i i
0: did want to take the time to say thank you to everyone uh that has helped me through this whole ordeal whether it be friends family uh people that i don't even know that have helped me and you know there's people that have helped me in ways that i don't even know because there's been so much going on but yeah to everyone that's listening thank you so much for supporting me and um gonna do all i can to be back and be better than ever so yeah thanks heaps and thanks for having me on Jace.
1: no worries mate is there anything else we gotta cover we've made a little bit of a list here but i think we're bloody good eh? beauty thanks Rones. So yeah cheers Rones, mate big effort appreciate it ronan's first shout out ever <laughs> <laughs> no nah, he's got a couple he gets he's got shouted out he's got roasted no, i've got no everything really. yeah he's got, you got, got called a weed today yeah <laughs> <laughs> the tank <laughs> he bought a gym membership, he's been like once. I've never seen him I'll there. For gym tag. Oh, I'll Shit I'll excuse. The huh? I'll go this way. Yeah, right. I'll Hear that? One. Hear that? Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm listening. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Right. <laughs> well done. Sweet, thank you. <laughs> Cheers, big boy. Fuck. That's three hours. Yeah, well, just under. Two forty. That goes quick, It hey? Does man.